Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Oh, Don, thank you. Embarrassing. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Saturday night, taking you right up until 2 a.m. Eastern time. And, Jason, it's funny. So I'll be honest. I don't really remember what we talked about last week, but I remember leading the show by saying, for late June, we shouldn't have so much to talk about. And yet here we are now, the first weekend in July, what is supposed to be the slowest time in the sports calendar. We have a fresh set of, like, earth-shattering topics between Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the USC-UCLA news. We got four jam-packed hours. Jay Smart, what's going on, man? How you doing? 
I'm excited. I'll tell you what, like when you host a show daily, I can tell you that I wasn't sure what we were doing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because it was a little bit of Deshaun Watson and then a bunch of nothing. And then all of what you just mentioned plus the Freddie Freeman story hit late in the week, and that made things much more interesting. The Durant thing is a completely just different animal. The Kyrie stuff that's happening kind of as we speak right now is kind of unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, uh, we're good. Like, this is July the 2nd. Usually around July 4th, you're talking about competitive eating or trying to avoid it at all costs. And here, we don't need it, man. We don't need it at all because sports decided it was going to make this Saturday fun. Well, let's get right into it. And, and, you know, there's so much to get into uh, there, but there is a little piece of late-breaking news. It's nothing huge. Nobody, uh, you know, nothing earth-shattering has happened with Kevin Durant. Nothing earth-shattering in uh, college sports realignment since Thursday with the USC-UCLA news. But we do have the breadcrumbs of what could be another kind of seismic move in the NBA. Chris Haynes from Yahoo reported just a few hours ago that the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets are actively engaged in a trade which would be centered around Russell Westbrook going to the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving coming to the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, for anybody who forgot the the time frame or don't remember the time frame, obviously we get reports about two and a half weeks ago, Kyrie Irving is at an impasse with the Brooklyn Nets. In other words, the Brooklyn Nets are not going to extend him after a season in which he played 20-something games and missed a bunch of time because of Cove protocols and basically let everybody in the organization down um you know there's reports about some sort of trade what could possibly be on the table we find out that nobody really wants him except for the lakers he opts back in but i don't think anybody believed that even after opting into 36 million dollars this year that he couldn't then potentially be traded to the los angeles lakers now we have reports from chris haynes that this process has begun uh also according to chris haynes brooklyn maintains that discussions are only preliminary at this point i don't think it gets out unless it's probably a little bit further along down the road than that it does make sense for the lakers get get rid of russell westbrook kyrie irving obviously has a history with lebron james what do you make of this late-breaking news that the Lakers and Nets, nothing is official, just to be clear, but they are engaged in a conversation of a trade centering around Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving? Well, I mean, I know the Lakers want to do it. I also know that information gets out because someone wants the information out. Uh, in cases like this, you just have to wonder who benefits from this being out there right now and how far down the road is it for the Nets. Uh, I mean, obviously – Kyrie's not going to be happy if Durant's leaving, and Durant is clearly leaving at this point in time. The Nets are working to figure something out, and we're going to talk extensively about that as we move forward. The whole thing's a mess. Um, In terms of the Nets, whatever they're about to get back is piecemeal. Their franchise is decimated, absolutely decimated. Westbrook, whether or not they bring him in and buy him out or whatever it is that they are planning on doing there, clearly it's almost as if they're going to try and just say, you know what, we're throwing up our hands, like it's time to move on Um, and not even just move on from what we had. It's like we're not going to be relevant for the next couple of years because this did not work out, all of that. But for the Lakers' side of it, it's just interesting that Kyrie did everything he could to get away from LeBron James – and now he's going to find his way back to LeBron James if indeed this plays out. And again, I think it proves 
that you sometimes don't know what you have until it's gone. And maybe Kyrie wanted to carve out his own path, and he went to Boston, and it was an absolute disaster, and he went to the Nets. And over three seasons, including the injuries and everything, now you knew Durant wasn't going to play the first year, but the three years that those two gentlemen were together, they played a grand total of 44 games together. Unbelievable stuff. For the Nets. That is an incredible number, and it is, it's an even more remarkable indicator of just – this is as bad an implosion and a bust as something like this ever could be. And and for the Nets, I, I sort of feel sympathy for them because it seems like they tried everything they could to make this work, and they had the wrong guys because those those guys absolutely were not interested in finding a way to make this work. So let's jump into it. Um, you know, first of all, again, this is all speculative, but first of all, a lot of what we do is speculative. We're going to be talking about Kevin Durant here in a minute. I should mention, by the way, our producer Bo Benson is off tonight, but he is a diehard Lakers fan. He, the second that this report came out, he started texting us. So he's actually going to call into the show in about 15 minutes, 720 Pacific, 1020 Eastern or so, Lakers fan perspective, and he follows this stuff, frankly, more closely than a lot of guys that cover the NBA. So excited to talk to Bo. But let me ask you, you know, Kyrie Irving, Listen, I think there, there there's there's a lot to peel back with Kyrie, right? Is obviously he has an injury history. He has a history of to be blunt, just aloofness. Um, he clearly has interests outside of basketball. Basketball is clearly not his top priority. He has clearly missed a lot of games because of a vaccine uh, mandate in New York. He's missed some games just for personal reasons when he just didn't feel like showing up. I will say though, this was a guy that when he played. Did average 27 points, six assists, and shot uh, over the course of the season about uh, you know 40% from three, 42% as a matter of fact from three. I will say, if you're you know this is not 2018 when Kevin Durant and Ky- or 2019 when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signed up to go to the Brooklyn Nets and they were supposed to be the two faces of the franchise and they were supposed to be two two stars very much in their primes that were going to elevate this organization. If Kyrie does end up with the Lakers, I will say, you know that you're getting a guy that's a little bit aloof. You know that you're getting a guy that's just going to miss random games on random nights and nobody's going to have a very good reason to uh, explanation as to why. I do think the piece does fit nicely alongside LeBron James now. Now, we obviously, as you said, we, we hear that they made up. I don't know if they've actually made up. And as we've learned in the NBA, guys that say they're cool, uh, that stuff you know kind of fades really quickly. Just ask Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But I do think the piece fits nicely. He would essentially be the number two or number three, um, you know, alongside Anthony Davis behind LeBron James. He'd be a guy that could take over uh, handling the ball and creating for others when LeBron James was out of games or when LeBron James had to miss a game. I will say, I know that we get a lot of headaches off the court with Kyrie, especially when he is kind of the co-face of your franchise with Kevin Durant. But if he's at best the clear number two, if not the clear number three, or depending on the night, the number three, I don't hate this for the Los Angeles Lakers. Am I crazy to say that, Jason? Not on the floor, but the problem with Kyrie is it's never just on the floor. Like if it's if if we're just talking about from a basketball perspective, he's as good as good gets. I mean, he's a top five to ten player in the league in terms of puerile talent. But it's what else you get. And it's all the mileage that's now on that mind. I'm not even talking about the body at this point. I'm talking about the mind because I just don't know where that dude is coming from on a regular basis. I will go on record the same way I did when the Nets did this, when the Nets made their moves, especially once Harden came over. I think it was Harden where it really sold me. But 
assuming this actually happens, I will go ahead and call it right now that that group will not win a championship. This is the, I don't buy it at all. This is LeBron, Kyrie, and Anthony Davis if a trade goes through. Correct. Right? Okay. Correct. I mean, how's Kyrie going to – well, Kyrie's got his own injury issues. How's he going to react when Anthony Davis is missing half a season, if indeed that's still part of this? LeBron's getting older. LeBron needs young guys who can play a ton of minutes and a ton of games – who don't need a bunch of nights off so that LeBron can actually take some time off so he doesn't have to be the primary scorer all the time. The weird thing about Kyrie is at any given time he can go get you 50, but as you mentioned, sometimes he's not going to show up. Sometimes when he does show up, he might as well have not shown up. Like There's just a there's a inconsistency to the way in which he does business and, and an inconsistency to the way his mind seems to work from one day to the next that just tells me this is perfect for the Lakers because they are they're shipping out in this case they'd be shipping out one jack wagon for another one broken piece for maybe another broken piece but you are bringing someone into your organization that has seemingly been toxic in just about every spot he's been in the NBA and I have no reason to believe that in 2022 that's going to flip now to Lakers fans out there on the floor if it works yes and if you're trying to get out from underneath Westbrook and I totally think you should obviously then yeah you take you take the jack wagon that can play you take the jack wagon that can ball over the jack wagon that can't and that's generally what you're doing right here but understand that you are potentially bringing poison into your organization at the same moment what I would say is, you know, it's a different kind of poison, but, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, I think, in many ways is poison, too. And, and listen, he's a different player. Credit to Russell Westbrook. He shows up ready to play every night, but he can only play one way, and it is not a way that is, um, uh, you know, kind of works with the way that LeBron James plays. And so uh, it's interesting, though. I was thinking, and this is a little bit off subject, but you, you mentioned you trade one jack wagon for another guy with issues for a guy with another set of issues. I'm trying to think of the NBA trade where you have like two declining assets and you trade them for each other and you kind of know, hey, this guy's flawed, but we think the guy that we're getting is a little bit less flawed than the guy that we actually just shipped out and where it worked out, right? The most recent example, Ben Simmons and James Harden. It was, well, you know, I mean, look at look at the Nets. You know, yeah, he, Ben Simmons, he'll be a number three and he'll just defend and he won't. Well, he never played a game. James Harden, well, I mean, at least he's on the floor. Ben Simmons this. Ben Simmons not even playing. Well, James Harden, what ended up happening? He actually plays. They go to the second round of the playoffs where I feel like they would have ended up even even without him. You know, you go back a few years before that. Uh, we did a Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade that basically did nothing for either team. John Wall now with the Los Angeles Clippers. So it's an interesting thought, right? Like we have these ideas of you have kind of these second tier stars. I'm not talking about trading for Kevin Durant. I'm not talking about LeBron James signing with your organization in his prime. You have two kind of mid-tier stars. They both have their flaws. And now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm talking it out with you, and we'll talk to our producer Bo about it here uh, in a couple minutes, now that I think about it, it always sounds great on paper. Hey, we'll take that other guy that has flaws because we think he has less flaws than the guy that, that we have now. And it usually generally doesn't really work out for anybody, does it, Jason? No, it generally doesn't. because, And look, this is... If you call Kyrie poison, for example, or, or the way that this has gone in some of his spots, it's poison, but it's it's also fool's gold, right? Like, you think you're the one that's actually that it's actually gold when you get there. You think you're the the fix 
Like, if you can take poison and turn it into an elixir, now you've got something. Nobody's been able to turn Kyrie into an elixir since he was playing alongside LeBron James. So on paper, and looking at it historically, yeah, you know what, when those guys were both healthy, they actually won a championship together, and both of them factored in crucially into that Game 7 win, and we know what they are from a basketball standpoint. We've seen them succeed together, and we know what they can do individually as well. I just don't know where you are in 2022. I don't know if lightning can strike twice there because once Kyrie started to get his way, got out, it went horribly wrong for him. He does not strike me as someone that evolves, Aaron, if that makes sense. Nope. It's, he strikes me as someone who doubles down. He's incredibly stubborn. Every decision he makes tends to be that way. Doesn't mean that he can't then claim that he's joking about flat earth or whatever like that, but in general... This is a guy who I think, at least the way he he gives it off, he's smarter than everybody else. He know he's he's on a different level from everybody else. To me, he's he's approaching bat bleep insane. I I used the analogy last week. I was like, man, at some point, I don't care how how hot she is, you can't marry her because of X Y Z and all the things that you know that you listed that you want to throw away because, man, she's a dime. It doesn't matter if she's a dime because she's coming with, I don't know, $500,000 of debt, um, all of these other kinds of things that add into it. The hot, crazy scale for Kyrie Irving, super hot because of what he can do on the floor, super crazy because of, well, everything else we know about Kyrie Irving in the NBA. Well, and it goes to, you know, he could be a very valuable piece for the Lakers. You just never know when he's going to show up, uh, wh- whether he is, whether he ultimately ends up on the Lakers, whether he stays in Brooklyn. He's a very talented player when he plays, but we don't know if he ever will. Coming up, uh, our producer, Bro Benson, he was actually off tonight. And I invited him to call in because he is the biggest Lakers fan I know. He actually, I would argue, knows the organization better than most people that cover the NBA and, of course, works here at Fox Sports Radio and talks about this stuff 365 days a year. Bo Benson, our producer, he will call in. We'll talk a little bit more. Kyrie, potentially the latest from Chris Haynes, a Kyrie-Russell-Westbrook trade. Talks are beginning between the Lakers and the Nets. The Nets, we continue that conversation next. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Jason, you okay over there? It's not like you dropped something. Everything okay? Uh, the microphone dropped for a second. I'm good. That's okay. All right. Well, we are back. Obviously, uh, the latest news in the NBA uh, from Chris Haynes, a reporter for Yahoo. Uh, the beginning stages of a potential Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook conversation. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kyrie Irving trade have begun. Beginning stages, Chris Haynes then followed up that Brooklyn maintains that discussions are only at the preliminary stage. But the second that the first report came out, our producer, Bo Benson, texted us and said, I'm out tonight, but this is crazy. This is going down, blah, 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 blah. He wanted to come on, so we we, we welcome him on now. Bo Benson, uh, again, our producer, a producer here at Fox Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter, at Bo Benson. Uh, follows the Lakers. Is, actually, Bo T. Benson. I apologize. I don't know why I thought it was at Bo Benson. But... Uh, follows the Lakers as closely as anybody. Also the host of the Swing Shift podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers. L.A. sports fan, Bo. Um, what's up, man? First of all, how are you? How's the night going? Where were you when you got the first alert that these trade talks have begun? Yeah, you know, I uh, I decided I could take a break from uh, refreshing lids, uh, seeing when the Kyrie Irving jerseys get stocked, uh, to talk with you guys. I was a... Uh, I was sitting on my couch with my uh, my baby napping on my chest when I uh, I saw the Haynes notification roll through. So uh, it was very difficult to not uh, wake her up with a, a nice fist pump when I when I saw that tweet. That would have been good. So, yeah. I was afraid. I was afraid for your child. I was like, your child is all right, right? Like you didn't like I don't know explode, <laughs> nah. and then the child like rolls off you because that's a thing that can happen when you get excited. Nah, she's all she's all good. She she slept for a couple more hours after that. So, Bo, so that was obviously – that's where you were. So, first of all, so take us in. Okay, so Kyrie 
this week, obviously opts back in, but I don't think that anybody really thought that that necessarily meant that he couldn't end up with the Los Angeles Lakers. Take us through just the last week. So first we hear this report that they're, that him and the Nets are at an impasse. Then there's this report that they're trying to trade him, but only the Lakers are interested. Then he opts back in. I think some people thought, okay, that is the situation where, okay, he's going to play for Brooklyn next year. Then whether that was ever true or not, KD, of course, um, you know, KD, of course, demands the trade. The other day, well, like, what was there ever a moment, including the opt-in the, the other day, where you thought, okay, this is completely off the table, or has this all been semantics, and you've believed all along that Kyrie wants to get out of the uh, get, get out of Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, look, Kyrie is a. We all know Kyrie's a different kind of person, uh, but I don't think he's different enough to leave thirty million dollars on the table. Um, so he was always going to opt back in. That he was never going to come play in, in Los Angeles for six million dollars next year. Um, I didn't think it was completely off the table, but I just felt that it was much more far-fetched. And really, you know, the catalyst for all this is Kevin Durant demanding a trade because if KD stays in Brooklyn, you know, he's they're going to keep Kyrie for at least one more year. So when, when KD uh, requested that trade out of Brooklyn, that was when I started to think, like, oh, okay, maybe there is uh, something more to this. So are <sighs> – you know what you're getting, assuming if Kyrie were to end up coming there, you are getting rid of one issue, but you're bringing in, I don't know, a bushel of issues of their own. So, like, how do you weigh that? I guess one dude, uh, I guess you look at it and you say, one dude can really, really play, and the other one might really be on the downswing at this point. Uh, like, how do you rationalize them? Because you're bringing in somebody that can be pretty difficult to root for. I don't think that's a bold piece of analysis. Yeah, I mean, look, I. <laughs> I think Ricky can attest to this as well. Like watching the Lakers play basketball last year was probably the single most painful sports related thing I've done. Don Don can tell you the same thing too. We all knew it really wasn't going to work. So the idea that the Lakers can swap out Westbrook's contract for Kyrie Irving, who, you know, the last time he played with LeBron James beat the 73 win uh, Golden State Warriors. Granted that was a few years ago. But obviously the chemistry between those two is real and it's there. Kyrie and Anthony Davis are friends. And really there's no vaccine mandate that the Lakers have to worry about this year. So, you know, if Kyrie misses 10, 15, whatever games with injury, you kind of plan on that anyway. So purely from everything else aside, getting off of Russell Westbrook is a net win for the Lakers. And replacing him with Kyrie Irving, who's still a top 15 player in the league, it's it's Lakers exceptionalism, man. It's back. Let me ask you this, Bill. Simple, simple question. Do you really believe that LeBron and Kyrie have made up, and do you really believe that it is sustainable for, like, at, at the first year, okay, maybe. Is it sustainable? Do you really believe that they've made up, or is this one of those – NBA, oh no, he's my best friend. Yeah, I heard Kyrie and KD were best friends. How'd that end up? I heard Kyrie, uh, KD and James Harden were best friends. How'd that end up? Do you believe that they have actually at some point broken bread, at some point they've moved past whatever happened in Cleveland, uh, or is this another one of those NBA friendships that's destined to fail? Well, there have been, uh, there have been reports during the offseason that, that you know Kyrie and LeBron had been speaking again. It's like, it's uh, you know, jilted lovers uh, reuniting. Um, you know, it's hard to say. Kyrie hasn't been very, like, shy about saying that he feels partly responsible for the way things ended in Cleveland. And, you know, LeBron, to his credit, is probably the most malleable superstar the NBA has ever seen. Like, he can play with anybody. He really doesn't 
have issues playing with a guy, and if he does, you know, they kind of solve that pretty quickly. So I, I think it can work at least enough to uh, start winning some games in Los Angeles again. But, you know, beyond that, it's, it's a year-to-year league, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a year-to-year league. Um, I said point blank as soon as, I, as soon as I heard it. I was just like, well, they're not winning a championship. I just don't buy the mixture of it all. I don't know how Anthony Davis even fits into it. Like the the AD problem, like he's LeBron James needs young guys, Bo. That's that's the thing I continue to say. He needs young stars. He needs young guys that want to take a bunch of shots, that want to play a bunch of games, that can win games even on nights where LeBron kind of needs to take it easy because that dude's played a lot of basketball in his career, and you need him to be at his best in April and May more so than anything else. And so you're bringing in Kyrie Irving that's dealt with injuries, that's a little bit older, that's a little bit bristly, that certainly has some some concerns in terms of team chemistry and team building, at least from what we've seen in the past. You're banking on the fact that it worked one time being the reason why it could work the second. The other thing that gives me pause is the fact nobody would want a guy that, as you said, is still a top 10 to 15 player in the league, which I would agree with in terms of pure talent, tells you how dangerous this can be and how volatile it can be. And then with that said, if you're the Lakers, I don't know what else you're supposed to do because Westbrook certainly wasn't going to – I mean, the Westbrook thing, if you could find a way to get out from underneath that, you had to. But this shows just how desperate you are because you're not exactly bringing in – you're not bringing in the head of class here. You're bringing, in, you're bringing in somebody that is a very distressed asset around the NBA where there was only one team interested in a top 10 to 15 player in a league that demands multiple superstars to win championships. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? Like at the end of the day, it's about it's about getting Russell Westbrook off this Lakers roster. Um, you you are correct. One thing I I have enjoyed about their free agency spending is that they have gotten younger. They're not trotting out a bunch of old dudes. They've they've all got a bunch of like I think twenty five, twenty six year olds. Um, they can't necessarily all shoot, but you know, the Lakers have no money to spend. I saw I saw Lakers fans getting mad at like oh, well, why didn't they get Otto Porter Jr.? Or why didn't they get Gary Payton II? And it's just like, they, they can't afford it. They they can't. So, like, ideally, they would be out there getting young 3 and D wings, but just everybody in the NBA wants those right now. So the Lakers kind of have to make do. And at the end of the day, I think sliding Westbrook out and adding Kyrie is really an A-plus offseason for them. I, 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 I can't uh, imagine a better offseason given the constraints that they already had going into this thing. He's Bo Benson, our producer here at Fox Sports Radio, diehard Lakers fan, also the host of the Swing Shift podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Bo T. Benson. Uh, his poor baby was woken up to the uh, Chris Haynes alert, but I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. By the way, Bo, happy anniversary, man. Hey, you as well, Aaron. Thank you so much. Jason, did you know that Bo and I have the same wedding anniversary? I, I did not, so happy anniversary to both of you. Thank you. That wasn't like a subtle way of me saying uh, I wanted a happy anniversary. Congratulations from both of you. Is it today? Is it actually today? It is July 5th, so I got uh, married uh, 2019. It was a Friday. Bo, you got married 2021. Was it a Sunday? Is that? Uh, it was a Monday, I think. Okay, yeah. It's. I mean, listen, yeah. it's the day before the holiday. Everybody has time off. That's that's why we did ours on uh, July 5th, because it was a long weekend, and I had a lot of family coming from the west, from the East Coast West. So, anyway, Bo, enjoy the anniversary. Enjoy the time off, and uh, I'll see you next Saturday, uh, and we'll talk soon, okay? That's right. Thank you so much, guys. You have a great night. Thank yeah, you, too. Bo. That I'm putting was- this in my calendar so that I don't miss it next year. 
Yes. Well, listen. Yeah, it was uh, very random. But yeah, Bo uh, obviously, you know, I, th- you know, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he may have pushed back because of COVID and everything, uh, and it just so happened. But yeah, he he mentioned it, and I was like, oh, that's uh, that's actually my anniversary as well. We, uh, yeah, my uh, July July sixth was on a Saturday that year. And, uh, or no, July 4th, I'm, I'm an idiot. July 4th was on a Thursday that year, so everybody had the Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. So worked out great for me. Got, got everybody traveled on the 4th. Uh, you know, we had our wedding on the 5th, hung out on the 6th, and then everybody went home. So fun stories, fun stories, fun stories. Uh, now we got to get back to sports. So with that said, uh, we will get back to the NBA, and we will talk about the other Brooklyn net that is very much in the news and in the crossfire of late. That is, of course, Kevin Durant. We will do that next. But first, I want to get to DeSager with What's Trending. What's up, DeSager? Hello. I thought you were implying for a little while that there was some sort of double wedding that occurred a couple of years no, ago. Like saving we money. Or... We didn't get like a two for one. Uh, there was no, uh, uh, what do they call it? Like what? Split the gifts, whether the people know you or not. It, no, there was no double wedding. There was no uh, Groupon discount or anything like that. It was just uh, the same day. Uh, I guess it would have been two years apart. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because, no, I, I did not realize that's kind of odd for two co-workers on the same show. That's it's true. No less. That is that true. Is that's gotta be, I bet it's a first. I bet you it's never <laughs> happened before in the history of radio. Aside from the double weddings, which I could seriously see as a money saver, radio people doing over the years. A money saver or a gimmick, DeSager. We've been in this business <laughs> yes. enough to know, that's man. Right. That's a rate. That's a ratings ploy if I've ever heard of one. Arnie, right Arnie Spanier definitely did one of the Friday two. Friday at five o'clock, live on the air. Make <laughs> Torres sure and Benson, exactly. sponsored by Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you can get a sponsor, yeah. Need, oh, you know it's need coming. Say no more. Well, let's start with the NBA news. Is the New Orleans Pelicans will give Zion Williamson a five-year extension worth about $200 million. He missed all of last season with the foot injury. And the Cavaliers guard Darius Garland, a lottery pick, gets a five-year extension also worth about 200 mil. He averaged 22 points and nine assists per game last season. Charlotte re-signed Cody Martin. Coco Goff lost her third-round match at Wimbledon. Dustin Johnson finished four shots back after the final round of the Live Golf event in Portland, Oregon. Brandon Grace was the winner. Ty Gibbs took NASCAR's Xfinity race. Just finished at Dodger Stadium. L.A. beat the Padres again. 7-2 to the final. The losing pitcher Hugh Darvish allowed three solo homers in the first inning. It was his worst start at Dodger Stadium since... Yeah, since Game 7 five years ago mm-hmm. when he completely imploded. The Dodgers against San Diego head-to-head have won 14 of the last 15 meetings. And the first-place Dodgers in the NOS now lead by four and a half games over the Padres. Cubs beat Boston 3-1. to There's only one game still going. The late game's in Colorado. It's now Rocky 7-3 over the Diamondbacks, top of the sixth inning. Yankees swept a doubleheader at Cleveland. Tampa Bay swept a doubleheader at Toronto. Houston won its fifth straight game, 9-1 over the the Angels. Houston hit five solo homers. Detroit with two solo homers in the bottom of the ninth to win 4-3 against Kansas City. And Seattle in its game this afternoon on FS1 got a run bottom of the ninth to edge Oakland 2-1. Minnesota with two runs bottom of the ninth beat Baltimore 4-3. While Milwaukee lost 7-4 at Pittsburgh, St. Louis was a winner. It was 6-6 top of the ninth at Philadelphia when Nolan Arenado hit a solo homer. 7-6 Cardinals the final. Arenado had homered in the first inning. The first of four straight home runs for the Cardinals in the first inning, all with two outs off the starter, Kyle Gibson. And the Atlanta Braves were 4-1 winners at Cincinnati. The Reds' record now 26-51 and on the season. Reds only had one hit today, an RBI single in the fifth. 
winning pitcher for the Braves, Spencer Strider, now the only MLB rookie in the modern era to have two games his rookie season where he had at least 11 strikeouts and no more than one hit allowed. He had a start like that last month and then today as well. By the way, the final phase of all-star voting with finalists as the voting options goes until Friday. The starters will be announced on Friday night. All-star game this month is at Dodger Stadium. Back to you. Thanks, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Uh, so we spent a little time talking about Kyrie to lead the show. I want to flip to the other side of this uh, Brooklyn Nets mess, and that is, of course, Kevin Durant. And so I, we can go in any direction that you want, Jason, but let me just say this. L- listen, Kevin Durant's an incredibly talented player, and there are a lot of like genuinely interesting conversations to have about this situation, his career, his legacy, his this, his that, where does he end up, all that good stuff. Let me just start by saying this, though. My biggest takeaway when I saw this, this, this news, I can't ever remember a player who had better on-the-court, on-the-field, whatever, talent with worse off-the-court awareness of how his actions would be perceived than Kevin Durant. And so we can spend the next three hours talking about where is he going to end up and what does it all mean and all this good stuff. But, I mean, when you leave OKC to chase titles in Golden State, which nobody blames you for because that's the criticism, right? But then you go to Golden State and you're surprised that people are mad that you've joined a 73-win team when he easily could have beat him and gone to the finals the year before. Then you leave to start your own team in Brooklyn. Then you demand all these trades, you, you you know, you get the coach you want, you get the teammates you want, all that good stuff. Just a week ago, Charles Barkley calls you a bus rider, basically saying that you're hopping on everybody else's bandwagon. And then the second that things again get tough in Brooklyn, you demand a trade. I'm sorry. I love watching this guy play, but this guy has just no awareness of how his actions are going to be perceived. And I'll just say this. I was disappointed when he when he um, when he announced that he wanted to trade, or when the report came out that he wanted to trade, because this is a guy that I love watch playing basketball, but he just doesn't get the off the court element of it, Jason. He just doesn't get it. Well, there's there are a lot of sides because maybe he gets it. Well, here's the thing that's weird about it is, oh, I don't care what you have to say. He's got the biggest case of rabbit ears, maybe in the league. Like he he constantly reacts on Twitter, and I see a lot of people falling over it. Man, he wins Twitter all the time. No, he doesn't because he reacts to everything. Like you're Kevin Durant. If you're that good, one, you shouldn't even be on social media. But past that, like, why do you care what anybody has to say? Why do you have to shoot back at everybody that says anything? You are incredibly sensitive. You have to understand that the decisions that you are making are going to be unpopular. And I do think, in a lot of ways, he does realize that, but he still is like, how dare you call me out on it? It's like, no, we're going to call you out on it. Matter of fact, we're going to spend a large part of this program calling you out on a myriad of different things as it relates to this. I hate that it didn't work for you in Brooklyn, brother. I really do. It would have worked for you in Golden State. If you'd stayed there, you kept winning championships. Championships obviously didn't make you happy. There was a piece from David Aldridge at the athletic uh, a day or so ago i read a large part of it on the air on my show in nashville um yesterday and one of the things they pointed out i mean it, and i don't think that it was meant to be any kind of a hit piece at all but if you read it and really think it through what he basically says over and over again is he wasn't happy here he wasn't happy enough to stay and he said it about every place he was at oklahoma city golden state brooklyn was going to go to the knicks the whole kit and caboodle on everything and then it says 
then the question has to be asked, what's going to make him happy? Or maybe he is already happy. And the conclusion drawn is maybe he's only happy when he's the center of attention and that he can dominate and be in control of everything that's happening in free agency every couple of years. And so this kind of scenario, whoever it is that lands him, needs to prepare for the fact that in two years he's going to crave this again. Uh, and it's it's kind of amazing when you look at it, and there's a lot of different, like I said, there's a lot of different ways that we're going to be able to talk about this. But he's completely out of touch unless he flat out doesn't care, at which point we can have a completely different well, discussion. But if he doesn't care, then he needs to stop clapping back at people to have to say it. Like, the real way you don't care is if nobody actually knows your feelings or your opinions on what everybody else has to say. You're Kevin Durant. As long as you keep coming out and saying this about Charles Barkley or this about Stephen A. Smith or this about whoever's commented on, then you've lost. You can't tell me you don't care when you can't stop talking about what everybody else has to say about you. Well, and that was what I was going to say. You can't tell me you don't care when you immediately clap back at Charles Barkley for calling you a bus rider. And then Charles Barkley ends up being exactly correct. We'll continue the conversation on Kevin Durant next. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. So we just started talking Kevin Durant, obviously the big news of the evening. Uh, Chris Haynes from Yahoo reporting that the Lakers and Nets have begun the, have started the process uh, of a potential Kyrie Irving-Russell Westbrook trade, so we're monitoring that. If anything comes out this evening, we will keep you updated. We're also talking Kevin Durant, and, and I think Jason and I are both kind of in the same boat on, on KD. Uh, incredibly talented, one of the most gifted players ever. Completely out of touch off the court, and um, you know he, he. You can't, as Jason said before the break, you can't tell everybody that you don't care while simultaneously chirping every time anyone says anything negative about you. Jason, I want to push it forward a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, look, the, the, whatever you think of KD, um, he is maybe the most gifted player. I, I would argue maybe the most gifted player on the planet, um, at least offensively, and is going to, uh, if he does end up getting traded, uh, you know, be maybe one of the most marquee players literally that has ever been traded in the history of the league. I would ask you, you know, I mean, there, there's some limitations as to, to who can realistically get him. I've seen multiple reports on what the asking price is. It seems like a minimum of like two really good young players with a haul of draft picks. Uh, but we've seen the reports, the Miami Heat, Obviously, they could not trade Bam Adebayo as part of the trade. Uh, the Phoenix, well, they can, just not they to can. the Nets. Yes, no, they can with the Nets, but they have to also take Ben Simmons. Oh, well, like the, uh, the CBA is but, convoluted in that. Pat Riley ain't taking Ben Devin Simmons. I t- no, right, but the same thing's true in Phoenix. Like, if you wanted to get Devin Booker in the deal, they would have to do Durant and Ben Simmons because of the 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 way the CBA is laid out and the rules are laid out. I don't know why either one of those teams would actually want to do such a thing, but that would be the way. Because, of course, Durant's out here saying, well, I don't want to go there if they don't have X, Y, and Z. It's like, dude, if you're as good as you say you are and as good as we all know you are, it's going to take a lot to get you. 
Like yes. They're going to have to give up stars in order to get you. Wherever you're going is not going to be as good a spot as it is right now because somebody that's really good that you might want to play with can't be there because you're there. Does this not speak to what we were just talking about, like the lack of awareness? And this was, again, we were texting with Bo all day today about all, all these NBA things, and I thought he brought up a great point, which was, like, this kind of speaks to the lack of awareness, right? Is you go to Brooklyn, first of all, and I've talked about this on the show a million times. Uh, that's another thing. Just like if, if you're aware of of how you can actually spin this as a positive, go to the New York Knicks, be the guy that brings them back. He doesn't do that. Okay, whatever. But doesn't it speak to a lack of self-awareness when you're in Brooklyn, things go sour, you're just chirping with Charles Barkley because he called you a bus rider, and then you immediately demand a trade, your, the two teams you want to go to are the teams that finish first in the East and first in the West, and you don't want them to trade any of your good players? I mean, Kevin Durant, it's like, you know, sometimes in life, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, you know, you, I don't even know what to say. Like, you, you just he, he, he is kind of like playing into every cliche that, that all of the negative people, and I, love, I think Kevin Durant's one of the most talented players I've ever seen, but every criticism that anyone has ever had of him really has been justified here over the last like 36 to 72 hours Jason yeah and look and, and that's the and I kind of do want to read part of this Aldridge piece maybe off the top of the hour because in general and Tim and Marcus Thompson both I should give both of them credit for this but in general it talks about how the reason why Kevin Durant can do this is because he's Kevin Durant and without really saying it what I mean, that's why we're okay with it. Like I, I, we can stop at this point. I think caveating saying he's one of the best basketball players. In the, like we know that. Like we're, we we are all aware of it. I think everybody's on the same page. Like every listener's on the same page. We're talking about the decisions that he's making, the choices that he that he is making. We're looking at it in a vacuum. We know he's good enough so he can get away with doing this. Same. Look, Kevin Durant is Aaron Rodgers, right? To some degree, except that Aaron Rodgers never got out of there. But generally speaking. He's good enough. He's that special a talent. Maybe all-time, like, I mean, he's on the all-time list, and I don't mean top 50. I'm talking top 10-ish, top 15-ish, all-time in the NBA. And he's wielding that kind of power. And as such, he can get away with doing this kind of stuff. Whereas if you're, I don't know, Patrick Beverly, you're out of there. Like Kevin Durant, his benefits outweigh his problems because of how great he is on the floor. So we'll accept that part. We'll, we can come back out of the break and talk more, but we know he's a great basketball player. We need to actually look at the rest of this the way we do with a lot of other athletes. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll revisit Kevin Durant maybe top of hour three, but we would also be remiss if we didn't get to the huge news in college sports, UCLA, USC, headed to the Big Ten. So many trickle-down effect ramifications. Discuss that next, Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome back, everybody. Hour 2, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. By the way, you want to tweet into the show. I'm at Aaron underscore Torres. He is at Jmart Radio. Got a few comments on uh, on some of the stuff we talked about in hour one. Jason says, KD almost as confused and as big of a diva as Aaron underscore Torres. So he has my Twitter handle. Uh, Brendan disagreed with a lot of what we talked about in hour one. He says, I'm a Lakers fan. If I were the Lakers GM in an ideal world, I'd trade Russ for Kyrie, then cut Kyrie. The best ability is availability. Russ stinks, but at least he shows up. Kyrie seems to think he's entitled to his salary just for playing a game a year. So with that said, uh, I do want to switch gears. By the way, again, Aaron underscore Torres at Jmart Radio. And, and by the way, if you ever want to call in one 99 on Fox, one 996 uh, Phone lines are open as always. With that said, Jason, I do want to switch gears. Obviously, the 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 Nets stuff, and, and I think it was mostly KD, and then it was Kyrie, and it started as Kyrie, but then it went to KD, then back to Kyrie. Um I think that was probably the majority of uh, you know where sports fans were early in the week and then in the middle of the week. But of course, the other really big story that came out uh, earlier in the week or, or really late, you know, Thursday, whatever it was, was the news that USC and UCLA are going to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten in 2024. Um, you know, another story. There's just so many layers. There's so much going on. But what was crazy to me was was you know. Nothing, no whispers, no nothing. I mean, even if you remember the Oklahoma-Texas stuff, it kind of leaked, and then there was a three- or four-day period, and then it, and then it became official maybe a week or, or seven or eight days after. 
This all happened in one day, and we woke up one day having no idea, or at least I didn't have any idea that this was in the works. A day later, uh, here in Los Angeles, I woke up in Big Ten country. So uh, where where were you? What were, what was going on in your world when you saw the news? Uh, John Wilner, let's credit him, a longtime reporter on the West Coast, uh, broke the story, and the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have been changed forever as USC and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten. Uh, my initial thought, was well that was fun meaning the Pac-12 like I don't see how it survives was my initial thought because the first question that ran through my head was what is the Pac-12 without UCLA and USC uh I know you can go get other schools but you can't go get USC and UCLA Pac-12 uh and just what it means what is what is the conference without USC well it's been Oregon for the last decade Oregon's kind of kept them alive while USC has stunk for a long period of time but USC when they're right they're I mean they're Hollywood basically in terms of what they can mean UCLA had fallen on tough times the basketball program has certainly come back around over the last couple of years under Mick Cronin so you look at that, but generally speaking, it's just like, well, what is the conference? Are we about to just have two conferences, as some people have suggested, two super conferences around the same time that the NCAA might be losing its hold over any of this as it relates to college football? But you immediately start to then think, well, who else are they going to go get and why would you do this? I had Jeff Schwartz on with me yesterday on my show in Nashville. He and I are going to be hosting Two Pros and a Cup of Joe on Monday morning on the 4th, and we're going to talk about this extensively. And Jeff was hurt. Jeff's an Oregon grad who played at Oregon, who hosts for the Pac-12 network and has for a long time on radio on a day-to-day basis. He loves the conference, but he's always been realistic about it, too. He thought that the new commissioner had done a good job over the first year, and I just said, hey, man, why did this happen? And he point-blank said money, especially in the case of UCLA. And he pointed me to an L.A. Times article that I had not seen. And he said, UCLA is $100 million in debt, their athletic department right now. And I cut him off. I was like, what? $100 million? It's UCLA. It's not Tahiti Tech. Like, how is this possible? And he mentioned the pandemic, but he mentioned coaching buyouts and what that's meant to the university in terms of what they have had to pay out. And so they're massively in the hole. So you're taking the rights and what – Pac-12 schools are able to get from, well, you know, only five people can see that network, and I'm one of them, televised to move, yeah, exactly, to the Big Ten, moving to the Big Ten where the money's different. You can even look at the ACC, I think it's $36 million, something like that, and the Big Ten right now is 54 and it's about to go up. So, purely from a money standpoint, it makes sense for both universities to do this. Now, regionally, we can just shut up now. Like, we need to stop calling it Southeast, Atlantic Coast, mm-hmm. uh, Pacific 10, all of Big that 10, because yeah. it's over, man. Like, if you're in the same conference, if you're USC and you're Rutgers and you're in the same conference together, all right, it's a wrap. Like, let's let's move on. We are moving to an AFC-NFC is kind of how me, it feels Let me, let me, me jump in. So, I, I, everything you said is a thousand percent correct. It was all money driven, and it does feel like we're headed to an AFC NFC. And 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 what we could talk about what it means for the Pac-12, what it means for uh, the ACC going forward. But you know, my first reaction was a little bit like Jeff's was. Okay, I know one when I saw it, I, I wasn't surprised. Nothing surprises me in college sports anymore. Everybody is fighting for themselves. There has been no real leader or oversight or whatever for for years now, and so I'm not. I wasn't surprised, but I was a little bit sad because 
you know, one of the things that I've always loved about college football, uh, I know you grew up, you know, in the South and, and, you know, in Kentucky and you live now in Tennessee, is that at one time, like, like I know we make fun of some of, like, the tradition of college football, but, like, the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day was awesome. And, and you know, the, the Sugar Bowl and the Orange Bowl and all that. But beyond that, what made college football, I think, so unique was that it was regional, was that it wasn't the National League and the American League where everybody plays everybody now thanks to interleague play. It wasn't the NFC and the AFC where everybody plays everybody. There was still a degree of, you know, regionality to it. And yes, the SEC has pulled away over the last, you know, probably decade or so. But there's always been this, you know, is the SEC really that good or are they overrated? Is the Big Ten really overrated? Is How could Ohio State, you know, what would Ohio State's record be if they played in this conference? How good would Notre Dame be if they played? And there were what made college football so fun to cover and follow was that it wasn't just this one big homogenous thing uh, like Major League Baseball, like the NBA, like the NFL. And I'm kind of sad that we're going to lose that because I do think we're going to eventually get to basically two super conferences. People could say, oh, it's going to be three, four, five. No, there's two conferences that have pulled away. Maybe the ACC somehow survives this. I don't think they will. I think in the end it'll be you know 20 to 24 teams in the Big Ten, 20 to 24 teams in the SEC, and everybody left on the outside looking in is kind of screwed. I don't like that, Jason. I, you know, again, I get why it's going down. If it was my school, you know, one of the things living in Pac-12 country I noticed from other Pac-12 fans, I've yet to meet an Arizona fan, a Washington fan, an Oregon fan that is mad at USC and UCLA, or at the very least doesn't understand why they made the decision that they did. But I don't know if why it was done is different from. Like, it does take away a little bit from what the sport is and what it's supposed to be. And so, I, I do, I, I am a little sad, and I do think we're going to an AFC-NFC, and I don't think, like, I don't I don't think it's bad for college football. We're still going to watch the games, we're still going to watch the playoff, whatever. But that's, like, it, it takes a lot away of what makes college football college football. I know I went a lot of different directions. Does that make sense, though? Yeah, look, tradition dies, all right? If Agreed. you go to two super conferences, the... All the traditions that existed in terms of the stakes that existed around those traditions has to go away. Like you you build something new out of it, but even if rivalries still exist, but you're not in the same conference, you're not playing for the same thing. Your point about everybody on the outside looking in being screwed, I don't like that at all. Even if if we're being intellectually honest, we understand that outside of the teams – uh, that would be part of, let's say, there's two 24-team conferences, so you're looking at 48 teams. Nobody outside that 48 is really somebody we think can win a national championship. But you are still removing hope from fan bases that play in conferences with automatic bids into massive bowls, or even the opportunity, if you're playing in a Power 5, to be able to crash the party in a college football playoff if you have a magical year. And if you're not there, like that magical year goes away. Like mm-hmm. everybody else basically moves into Division Two at that point in time or into an FCS situation or whatever it is. Um, and that that's a little bit saddening. And then the other thing again, and look, I grew up in ACC territory, but I also grew up in SEC territory. So I kind of have always – I mean, I was an ACC guy, but then where I've moved and everywhere else, it's been hard not to be caught up. And now I cover the SEC on a day-to-day basis. But – I, I was always sad when the ACC wasn't the ACC anymore. I've seen this happen inside the conference. I was there before Florida State was part of the ACC. Mm. 
and it was a totally different conference then. And then when they started adding Pittsburgh and Syracuse and broke up the Big East, did that make everything better? I don't think so. The old Big East, I, I miss the old Big East. You miss the old Big East, I know Aaron. I do. Because UConn is right there part of it. I think you are losing the essence of what made college football feel authentic and timeless. You are creating a business, you're creating a Costco, and you're creating, I don't know, a Sam's Warehouse out of this, but you're losing the mom and pops. You're losing the smaller towns. You're losing that feeling, but we also know this is inevitable because when there's a whole lot of money on the table, that becomes the only thing that really matters. And I think from a viewer's perspective, I don't know how we'll feel about it in 20 years. I don't know if it'll grow on us once it happens or how fast it's all going to take place, but it does kind of feel like we're being robbed of the reason why I've always loved college sports is because of the passion and all this other kind of stuff, and it feels increasingly corporatized in yep. a way that I'm not particularly thrilled about. Yeah, you know, the the line that I've used all week, and, and it, it's been going on for really a long time. I mean, we've, we've seen conferences get blown up really for the last decade and change. Obviously, NIL has changed a lot of the conversations that we have where it, it was supposed to be one thing and it's quickly become pay for play. But what, I, what I've said a lot this week, Jason, is – I understand that college sports a long time ago became professionalized. In other words, there were professional elements to it. It wasn't amateur sports the way it was supposed to be intended to be 120 years ago or whatever it was. But it, it, there's one thing between becoming professionalized and becoming professional sports. Mm-hmm. And this is now, to me, we're like about two steps away from being just professional sports. And and what's so fascinating to me to think about is is – We've seen so much change just the last two years. Really, you know, you want to go the last 10 with all the different realignments. Nebraska to the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12 gets realigned, and now it's going to get realigned again. Um, It's just professional sports. And and where are we going to be even three, four, five years from now? I mean, the stuff that seemed inconceivable literally two years ago is going on in real time. And I don't know where we're at. And I, it's getting to just... A, 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 I don't even know if you can call it a minor league, just a, a, a sort of different professional sports. So that's, I think, just just my, I don't want to say frustration, because it's not really a frustration. I'm still going to watch the games. We're still going to host every Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern, and during the season, we're going to love every second of it. I know we will. But it does feel like a lot of these conversations, it's like, I, we're all four players getting money in NIL. We understand why USC and UL, UCLA made the decision they did this summer, just like we understand why Texas and Oklahoma made the, made the decision they did last summer. But it feels like we're getting to the AFC-NFC model, and that takes away a lot of the fun and a lot of the reasons that we all got into this in the first place. Yeah, that's right. Again, I think it goes back to the authenticity argument. And even though these two things are not the same, After all of this and some of the discussions that we've been forced to have because of the changes in college sports, man, I hope every kid gets as much money as he can get. I've just flipped entirely on all of that. Like when it comes to NIL, when it comes to pay them whatever you want, man. Well, think about USC players that are going to probably be traveling more than some NFL teams. That's right. Once they get to the big All of this, man, like no, no one's hands have been clean from the beginning. We already understand that. The ones that have always been screwed in this deal are the kids. They're the student-athletes. A lot of them aren't trying to get degrees. Those that are still are going to have that opportunity, and that's going to be a benefit of them being the elite of the elite and getting an opportunity to play college football, which many of us would never even be able to dream to do. When you look at the percentages, it's incredibly low. At this point, I don't care who you are. 
Uh, whatever it is that you've been able to do in high school, whatever somebody wants to pay you to do that, or if you've been on campus for a year and you exploded and now everybody wants to deal with you, get whatever you can, man. There is no honor among thieves. There is no loyalty. There is no anything. I don't blame UCLA and USC because they're just the newest factor. In, in some, They saw the sea change. They got an opportunity. They took the opportunity. I'm no At this point, though, you can't be upset with Texas and Oklahoma. You can't be upset with them. You can't be upset with anybody else that makes any other kind of move. So why in the world would I then want to restrict uh, young athletes from taking advantage of whatever because everybody else is continuing to take advantage of them. Coaches can leave on a moment's notice. All of this stuff. At this point, just remove all the regulations and let whatever's going to happen happen because that's what happens in business, right? Like whatever framework you need to put around it, just to make sure, right? Like we keep the SEC out of it. I don't mean the Southeastern Conference. I mean the Securities and Exchange <laughs> Commission because that's kind of what we're doing here. At some point, this went from feeling like sports to feeling like the stock market. And at that point in time, I don't care anymore. As a matter of fact, more power to every athlete that is able to cash in on this because the system and, and the sport that I remember is long gone. It's long gone, and the USC-UCLA move felt like the death knell. Just, you know, Texas-Oklahoma, okay, that was, you know, I kind of, the analogy I used earlier this week, you know, the one small step for mankind, that was Texas-Oklahoma. One giant leap was USC-UCLA. Coming up, we continue this conversation. By the way, we got a few people on hold. We might try to get to the phones. You want to weigh in on USC-UCLA going to the Big Ten, one eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox, one eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. 996 We'll continue this conversation we'll also continue about what jason started this uh you know with with what's next for the for the pac-12 what's next for the acc by the way what's next for notre dame all worth considering we'll discuss that next aaron torres jason martin fox sports radio discover betmgm the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for non-stop action all winter long take the excitement of football basketball and hockey to the next level with same game parlays exclusive signature bets odds boost promos and much more plus now you can sign in place bets and manage your cash balance under the same betmgm account in dc maryland and virginia with the same username and password throughout the dmv it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks download the betmgm app today BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or shoot that, shoot that. And even checkouts not until four, so because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Saturday night, we led the show by saying it. First week of July is never supposed to be this busy, yet here we are. We are in the middle of a conversation on this USC-UCLA news. Uh, obviously the news of the week. They are leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten in 2024, obviously the reason being money. Brett McMurphy reported that they will double their TV money by going to the Big Ten. I believe it's upwards of like potentially like... I don't even know, like $100 million a year, something crazy like that, $80 million, something big. Uh, I've seen differing reports on that. Uh, so that is the big news. I want to get to all of the different layers to what's next. What's next for the Pac-12? What's next for uh, some of the other schools and conferences? But really quick, I believe we do have a caller on the line, so I do want to get to him. If you want to call into the show, one eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox, one eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Richard in Fremont, California. Richard, you still on the phone? What's going on, man? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm still on the phone. I've been holding and because I wanted to make this point. But I, I think what you guys have been touching on is correct. I think at the end of the day, this is about money. And, you know, money makes the, the world move. And USC and UCLA, they were in the Pac-12 for many years. And we loved the Rose Bowl. We really did. But really, at the end of the day, they saw the money. Okay? And because they saw the money, they're going to the Big Ten. And really – it's a taint on the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is, or before it was the Pac-10. These guys, they've been around for a long time. It's like they should have saw this coming and they didn't. And really at the end of the day, the NIO move is the major marker. It's like, come on guys, get with the program. Look, what's happening in college football right now is happening because the NCAA has been taking advantage of these kids for years. Okay. And I applaud it. I applaud the fact that these kids are not stupid and they woke up and go, you know what? I'm not going to get out here. I'm not going to work my tail off and, and really, you know, bring my body up as a sacrifice for the NCAA for them to continue to exploit it. Okay? Richard, I, they, thank you okay, for the call. No, no, we appreciate the call, Richard. I, you know, there, there's By the couple- way, they can still play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there, there's <laughs> just gonna, as a weird, just as a weird irony. Yeah, it would be USC as the Big Ten rep versus uh, versus uh, you know Oregon. So really quick, I, I think Richard hit on a lot of the same stuff that we talked about. I didn't mean to cut him off, but but you know a lot going on there in that kind of call. So thank you to Richard for the call. If you want to call in one eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox one eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. We got some other calls we'll get to in a minute. But before we get to them, Jason, you know Richard does bring up a point. First of all. Richard was dead on where the Pac-12 dropped the ball. Um, And it's interesting. I I do think part of it, you know, you read stories, and and this is ironic because prior to the current TV deal that's about to expire, 
the previous TV deal was weighed towards the schools that were on national TV the most, and so it was always UCLA and it was always USC, and they always got the biggest part, chunk of the pie. So I bring it up because there were reports that UCLA and USC were, were upset that you know we, we are the biggest market, we are the biggest brands, as you said, in basketball it's UCLA, and football it's USC, and we got to share equal revenue with Washington State, Oregon State, whatever. I'll also say this too. I do think the NIL part that Richard brought up is part of it. I don't I don't know that he intended to, but this is now another stream of money that you have to come up with. And I know schools don't pay out NIL, but you know, we're at a point now where, where players expect a cut of the pie too. The Pac twelve was falling behind in all revenue. Obviously you fall behind revenue, the product suffers on the field, then of course it leads to whatever you know, you're not making as much money, you're not getting as much donations, whatever. So a lot of different layers. I do want to switch gears to the Pac-12, Jason, you you said it. Um, I, the Pac-12 is in really bad shape, and and it's funny because you said something about um, you know there, there's no replacing these programs, which I agree. You know, I said this with Texas, Oklahoma last year. You can add new teams. You can't replace Texas and Oklahoma, and it's the same with USC and UCLA. What do you think happens next? Because we saw a report from Dennis Dodd, CBS yesterday that at least as of right now, this second. The Big Ten doesn't plan on expanding, at least with Oregon and Washington right now. Now, things could change. Obviously, stuff probably will change over the coming years. This stuff is always changing. But what does the Pac-12 do, and is it officially? I mean, we we did talk about it last segment. It feels like we're headed towards AFC, NFC, two super conferences. What does the Pac-12 do, and, and is there... Any conference, whether it is the ACC, whether it is the Big 12, like we're just at two conferences now that are basically playing a different ball game than everybody else, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, what you've heard and what I've seen and talking to a few people that are close to the Pac-12, they've mentioned Fresno State. They've mentioned Boise State. And I can stop right there and just say this. Who cares? Dude, really? That's what you're doing? Fresno and Boise, that that's where we're headed here. That I mean, Oregon's the next piece that matters the most. There's no question about it. They've actually pretty much held the conference up over the last decade. They really have. I mean, their basketball team's been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament in the last few years. It hadn't been that long, at least. Went the to football program is at least the one that's yeah, exactly. Is most most likely. Um, it's Oregon that has the chance to crash the college football playoff. I think that's the other piece of this. Like money is the reason why you make the move, but the added benefit would be that if you're playing in a Pac-12, you ain't been in a college football playoff in a minute. Like, that's not a thing that has happened. But at the same time, USC can't win the Pac-12. Now they're going to a conference that's much more difficult, that's much more stacked. So So you better believe in Lincoln Riley. Like, you better think that you've got the guy that can turn the program around or you're going to be much more Texas than you are Oklahoma in that conference. I'll just say this. I thought it was really funny. First of all, I want to give credit. I saw this Brandon Walker, who works for Barstool Sports, sent out a tweet this morning that I thought was great. He said, let me find it really quick. He said, anyone else thinking about the fact that the Pac-12 took a hit the last decade because its top program didn't hold up its end of the bargain, which caused the conference to look mediocre? Now that program is leaving in part because the conference is mediocre. Slick move, USC. So one, that's exactly like slick move Kevin Durant, because it sounds like Kevin Durant to me. What you just read felt like Kevin Durant to me. It did. And the other thing I was thinking, we're going to Sager here in just half a second. But the other thing that I couldn't help but think as well, it is amazing. Like we criticize Lincoln Riley and, oh, you know, he he left. He was afraid of the SEC and whatever and blah, blah, blah. He's obviously a great football coach. It is amazing how one human being 
can completely change the perception of literally everything. Because imagine if this move had been made a year ago when Clay Helton was the head coach at USC. We'd be like, they're a laughing stock. They're totally out of touch with who they are. They're going to get embarrassed by the Big Ten. They're the, they're going to be West Coast Purdue. Like I don't know what the takes would have been, but I think that's pretty accurate. And now I'm seeing stuff like, you know, really behind Ohio State – uh, they're the second biggest this and the second and they have and like bull do, crap yeah like do they have the most long-term upside behind Ohio State probably but they're not forget uh Michigan they're not Michigan State they're not they're not Penn State uh, not Penn State Wisconsin Iowa over they're the line, Iowa yeah so it was just something I thought about. Is like like how Lincoln Riley has single handedly changed the perception of USC. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to get to your calls as well. One eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. One eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Before we do though, want to uh, get over to Steve Sager. Update desk. What's trending to Sager? And guys, among the many questions, and we've got two years to figure it out, or they do actually, is. You've seen how divisions are going or not going in college football conferences. If the Big Ten keeps divisions, I assume that USC-UCLA will be joining the division with the westernmost teams like Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, and then just shoot Purdue over to the east. Now, as for the west division of the Big Ten last year, Iowa was the champion, and then you had six and three teams in conference, Minnesota, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Those could be the future L.A. school opponents. As far as literal future opponents, remember that USC was due to, in 2024, the year they are moving to the Big Ten, USC's opening game that year is in Vegas against LSU. And, of course, SC plays Notre Dame every year. They're due to have a future home-and-home with Ole Miss 2025 and 26. UCLA in 2024, when they make the move, already on their schedule was a game at LSU. The Bruins just beat LSU at the Rose Bowl last year. UCLA is supposed to have a home-and-home with Georgia after 2024, and then a home-and-home with Auburn as well. Curious to see also how the scheduling goes for the non-football sports, which is most of them at UCLA, for example, that'll be joining the big Ten, and the most curious quote to me already was the floating of we're looking for scheduling relief when we sit down and speak to the Big Ten because you know your nearest opponent Nebraska is 1,500 miles away for the non-revenue sports in this move. There's a lot to discuss. As for the NBA news, two big items today. Yes, Zion Williamson will get a max extension of five years and about $200 million with the New Orleans Pelicans, and a similar extension from Cleveland to Darius Garland is coming. We've heard a lot on NBA moves in recent days. None are official yet. It's still a few days away for that. Coco Golf lost her third round match at Wimbledon. Ty Gibbs won NASCAR's Xfinity race. And the Live Golf event is over in Portland. Brandon Grace the winner with a final round 65. Dustin Johnson finished four shots back. As for Major League Baseball, well, we've got one game still going at Colorado. It's 11-5 Rockies over the Diamondbacks, top of the eighth inning, despite two run, uh, two home runs, I should say, from Christian Walker of the D-backs. He has 21 this year. The Yankees swept a doubleheader at Cleveland. Tampa Bay swept a doubleheader at Toronto. Minnesota scored two in the bottom of the ninth to beat Baltimore 4-3. to So the Twins, who've had quite a week, are the first team in American history to have 
back-to-back walk-off losses followed immediately by back-to-back walk-off wins. They've beaten the Orioles closer here on back-to-back days. Jorge Lopez, he's got a great ERA this year, 1.69, but Lopez is 3-5 and five in the first half of the season. The Cardinals hit four straight homers in the first inning, eventually needed a ninth-inning solo shot from Nolan Arenado to win 7-6 at Philadelphia. Houston won its fifth straight game, 9-1 over the Angels. Cubs beat Boston tonight, 3-1. to And the Dodgers down San Diego and Hugh Darvish, 7-2, to hitting three solo homers in the first inning. Dodger outfielder Chris Taylor left with a bruised foot. He will get tomorrow off. Tomorrow is when Mookie Betts returns off the injured list. Initially, they were saying he might be starting at second base. Easier on the throws as he's coming back from a craft grip. But, however, he's going to have to start in the outfield tomorrow, and they say that is what will likely happen for tomorrow afternoon's game. And uh, that will finish up the series, sadly, for the Dodgers because they have pounded on the Padres going back to last year. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Uh, you want to tweet into the show, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Jason is at Radio. Uh, a lot of layers to get into with this USC-UCLA stuff, but we do have some people on the line that want to weigh in, so we're going to go over to Wayne in Virginia. Wayne, you're joining Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here, Fox Sports Saturday. Wayne, what's going on, man? What's going on, fellas? I appreciate y'all taking the call. We appreciate you joining um, us, Wayne. My pleasure. Y'all really took me somewhere, and I hope y'all can kind of follow me, because I have like a a two-pronged question here. Okay. So when we say over the next three to five years, we don't know what it's going to look like with the whole USC-UCLA moving and possibly the thought of like super conferences. I'm thinking like in four to five years, we have a quarterback who's making $15 million a year and I'm like, hmm, my two questions are, what, do you, what impact do you think that has on the rookie scale going into the NFL, and what impact does it have on the draft, do y'all think? Wow, great question. Wayne, that was an in-depth question. Thank you for mm. the call. Jason, you know, I, I think this is an interesting byproduct of NIL, and it's so funny because in the lead-up to NIL, you know, there's a lot of great people in the media, great people that, that are reporters, great people that work, you know, in radio that don't cover college sports on a day-to-day basis. And everyone said, oh, you know, it's just, you know, let, let the kids get their money. And, and, and I agree, let them get their money. But I said, do you understand what these crazy boosters are going to be willing to pay for an elite quarterback or an elite edge rusher, an elite offensive tackle? Well, we got the numbers. You know, Tennessee, it's, it's, not, it's literally the Athletic found a contract for a Tennessee uh, com- or a player that we believe is, is committed to Tennessee $8 million over four years to go to Tennessee to play there. So That's Nico. Yes, that's Nico, who, by the way, is playing volleyball overseas apparently right now. I saw a video of that today. But, um, you know, you, you're more in the NFL world than I am. You host every day with Ramon Foster, longtime uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. Do you think the NFL is going to have to? It's a great question by Wayne. Wayne, thank you. We're, I'm not, when I laugh, I'm, I'm by no means, uh, you know, making fun of the question. Is the NFL going to have to restructure the salary cap because, or restructure rookie contracts? Because I don't think it's too crazy that in the distant, in the not too distant future, elite college players might be making more in college than they will their first year in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we saw that stat right that Bryce Young made more money than. Uh, whoever was Jim Jalen Hurts or whatever, yeah. um, it's. I don't know exactly what the NFL does except for this: if you get an NIL deal, right, and you're you become a big time star in in Knoxville, in College Station, in Tuscaloosa, in Ann Arbor, wherever it is, 
you'd imagine those arrangements can continue after you leave college. Like at that point in time, you might have built-in endorsements and built-in things of that nature. Um, but in terms of like the rookie wage scale, something may have to give, especially when you look at the television contracts and what's about to be paid for Sunday ticket with the bidding war and everybody stepping up to the plate and what the NFL is making. Eventually, that is going to trickle down to the players. It has to. Like the agents are going to start negotiating it differently, and you've got to create an incentive for guys to leave. Uh, this might actually encourage more people to play longer in college football, which might then make the NFL a little bit better because you've got more seasoned guys coming in. That is a very intriguing question. I don't know whether or not the NFL is going to care because, hey, you're playing in the NFL. Maybe that's worth – I don't know how many dollars that's actually worth. I think the general thing that you like about this, especially from the football perspective, and we heard DeSager saying this in the update about non-revenue sports and all this. Here's the problem. When revenue is the entire consideration, as it is for USC and UCLA in this case, and and pretty much all these moves are money moves. If revenue is the consideration, non-revenue is going to get screwed. Like, because, I mean, right there in the title, non-revenue. Well, we care about revenue, so non-revenue, y'all are just going to have to eat it. Like, you're going to have to sit in economy class while we're in first class. Like, that's just, that's the way that's going to have to go. Football is what stirs the drink. We all know that. I think the bigger question, the more interesting question, and the one that I've thought about throughout the NIL kind of explosion over the past year is how much power are college football coaches going to have in three to five years? That was the the timing that the caller mentioned. Three to five years from right now, those collectives, Mm -hmm. the ones that are springing up with all these agents and former business people that are, as you mentioned, crazy boosters or crazy supporters of a program, whether they went there or not, they're going to have more power because they're the ones that are going to be scratching the bigger check. And at that point in time, I can't wait for the first story that comes out where a collective basically tells a coach, no, you will play my guy or else. Like they have to work in synergy for a time, but when's the first time where we're going to see a bristling between a stubborn college football head coach, which may be, you know, that might just be saying the same thing over and over again. It might be a redundant comment to say a stubborn college football coach. But the collective, to me, is going to grow in power, and the emphasis of the college football coach at the same time is not going to be what it was. Urban Meyer can't exist. He can't talk to kids like this because they'll just roll out, and a collective will find a way to get them out. It's really funny. Uh, we'll wrap on this, and, and I do have another question for after the break. But uh, it's funny because uh, you know I was talking about buddy Ryan Fowler. He hosts in Tuscaloosa. He's been on on with us before, and and it was after the Arch Manning commitment. And he said, "Imagine if Arch had just waited uh, until right before signing day to see you know who would offer him the most money, and and how close are we to doing that." And I said, there's also the opposite of that, too, the elite player waiting. I also think there's a world where whoever's running a collective says, you know what? I don't like this coach, and we're cutting off the money altogether. And so you talk about, you know, and to go back to Wayne's question, Wayne, we hope you're still listening. Two excellent questions there. Three to five years, this sport is going to look completely different. It already does. And we we were just talking about the conferences and the setup and all that stuff. But as you said, I think the boosters are going to be essentially acting as de facto owners, and the coaches are going to be at the mercy of those boosters and the collectives, as you just said, Jason. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Uh, coming up, there's one twist to this this uh, college football realignment that we have not discussed yet, and I think it is the twist that shapes the future 
of what's next in realignment. I explain next Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. We're talking college football. We're talking USC, UCLA. One tweeter chimes in. There's one question caller Wayne did not ask. What if the Saudis start a professional football league? Oh, Lord. With everything else going on, nothing would surprise me. Uh, Listen, you know, I don't even know if the Saudis can compete with what uh, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to get here over these next couple years. Uh, And so that is obviously why USC and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten. Really quickly, Jason, I did want to talk to you about one, I think – Really, to me, I think the only real domino that's next. I mean, listen. I mean, we can talk about Pac-12, but as you said, San Diego State, Fresno. Who cares? Um, Notre Dame. What, what what's, what's going on with Notre Dame? So Notre Dame's been an independent in football forever, and I'll tell you, I, I do think my my sense talking to people is if Notre Dame makes a move, and I think the only move they would make is to the Big Ten because the money isn't going to be good enough in the ACC. If Notre Dame makes a move, then that's when you then see like another crazy round. Like like Dennis Dodd, as I said, reported that the rest of the Pac-12 teams, the Big Ten doesn't have interest in them. But if you take Notre Dame, then you're at 17. Then maybe you take Oregon, maybe you add Washington, maybe you add one more team from the Pac-12, maybe you add a couple ACC teams. And the reports are that the ACC teams are starting to look to see if they can get out of their contract as well. Notre Dame, is this the move that finally pushes Notre Dame into a conference? Well, I mean, right now, they can just be the talk of the town. And they've always had that advantage in football to be able to have the schedule that they want and play with a bunch of different conferences and create a, a, a the biggest tradition you can find is their schedule year after year because of the common opponents that they see every single year from across the country. And now they become the sought-after piece because it's Notre Dame. Like, who's finally going to get them to join a conference? If I'm them, I'll let that play out as long as I have to, long as possible. And maybe it comes down to money again because everything does. And at that point in time, I mean, you know where geographically it would make sense, like where it would fit. Like, well, Notre Dame should be part of X. And I get that. But I do think that's the domino. Like, if that happens, then the arms race really begins to tilt in one direction in terms of the newcomers. And and then we're going to see – but both sides are going to end up making this – and eventually the Big Ten, the SEC name has to switch. You would have to think amidst all of this that's going on, Oregon's a big piece. Notre Dame is the biggest piece. Washington is out there. Certainly there are some ACC schools like a Clemson or something like that. And if you're looking at basketball, obviously North Carolina and Duke, and there's there's a lot there as well. But And Florida State, if they were able to actually turn around, you know, they actually become a huge piece as well. But – I don't know what becomes the next catalyst. The one thing I'm positive of is we're not done. I never thought we were done in the SEC to begin with, and I knew the Big Ten was going to continue to try and move in some direction. Notre Dame, to me, 
If I'm Swarbrick and I'm that university, I sit as long as I possibly can. The same thing that uh, was suggested about Arch, about waiting, as uh, Ryan Fowler had suggested, you mentioned in the last segment about him just waiting until the last possible second. Who's going to give you the most money, and I'm going to go there. We figure there's some athletes that have done that behind the scenes. It just hasn't been as public as maybe eventually it will become. But if I'm Notre Dame, that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting until signing day. I got a hat for the Big tw- Big Ten. I got a hat for the SEC. I got a hat that just has a Notre Dame logo on it to stay independent. All of those things. I wait until the last second because I know right now I've got a massive amount of stroke because I'm Notre Dame. I'm going to make them wine and dine me, and I'm going to stick it right now, right there, because everybody is paying attention to Notre Dame because they are such a huge piece. It's really interesting. I'm looking right now. Their TV deal with NBC currently runs through 2025, so you'd assume they couldn't join a conference before then. Um but it says they only make $15 million a year on that TV deal, which now $15 million a year is a lot for a lot of people. $15 million a year compared to what some of those Big Ten and SEC schools yep. are going to make is not much. So I think that's what's fascinating. I mean, the, the, the easy, less interesting conversation is do they just join the Big Ten uh, and get whatever everybody else is getting? The bigger question is, do they just take those rights to open market and say, okay, well, if every Big Ten team's getting 50 or 60 or 70, we need at least that much to remain independent. So this Notre Dame story is fascinating, and I think it's going to be a catalyst, as you said, one way or the other for what happens next in realignment. Coming up, we go back to the NBA, go back to Kevin Durant. What is going on with that guy? And what's next? Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Back, everybody. Hour 3, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are taking you right up until 2 a.m. Eastern time. Busy time in sports. We just spent an hour talking all of the crazy college football news, and we will get back to that at some point as well. But I do want to get back to the NBA. We led the show with the latest piece of news. I don't know if it's huge news just yet, but it's certainly intriguing. Chris Haynes, Yahoo Sports, has reported that Kyrie, or that, that excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers have begun conversations on a potential trade that could send Kyrie Irving to the Los Angeles Lakers and Russell Westbrook to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Jason and I talked about it to lead the show, and we will obviously be monitoring that um, as we go forward here, not only tonight, but, but if something happens over the course of the next few days, Jason will be on July 4th. I'll be on later in the evening in July 4th as well. So we will react to it. And if there's any news by next Saturday, we'll definitely react to it then. Jason, I do want to stay in the NBA. I do kind of want to get back to, you know, I don't I don't want to call it the catalyst for all this Kyrie stuff, but but you know, obviously Kyrie and Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn together, um, you know, with grand goals and grand ambitions and grand commentary on what they were going to do for the organization, for putting the Brooklyn Nets on the map, all that good stuff. Well, fast forward, they played together three years. We all know the story. They won one playoff series. Obviously, year one, KD was out. Last year, they advanced to the second round where Kevin Durant is, uh, you know, a foot or two short from uh, from beating the Milwaukee Bucks, who ended up winning the title. They, they fall short. They lose in the second round. And then, of course, this year gets swept out of the first round by the Boston Celtics. So a lot of different layers here, but Kevin Durant has officially asked for a trade. And and, and I want to dive into all of it, Jason, but you texted me something pretty interesting this morning in that um, there's a lot of, of blame to go around for everybody for what has happened in Brooklyn over the last couple years. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but did you tell me that you think maybe Kevin Durant's getting a little bit of a pass for his role in the chaos in Brooklyn? Yes. Uh, I think that a lot of people don't seem to want to just say that uh, this is starting to become a bit of a trend with Kevin Durant. And as great a player as he is, if you look at the way Aaron Rodgers gets treated, if you look at the way that other athletes get treated that are this good, we need to have the same scope when we look at Kevin Durant. Nobody's questioning his love for basketball. Nobody's questioning how great a basketball player he is and how much he gives when he's on the floor. I mean, dude cares a lot. And he's excellent. He's as good as they come. He's one of the greatest players to ever step on a basketball court. And he's also, to me, one of the more emotionally unstable guys in the league and a guy that's incredibly fickle and hard to please. And I think all those things need to be talked about simultaneously. It's not just, well, he's great, and so we're going to be real careful about how we talk about this. No, no. I mean, he destroyed the Nets. He has destroyed the Nets. Kyrie is a much easier villain to talk about because Kyrie has done things that have been more in your face lately. But look at what Durant is doing. Look at the timing of this. Look at what he agreed to one year ago. Look at what the Nets did. I, I'm gonna let me. I said Jim I was gonna Carter, do this. Yeah. Give me a couple. Give me a couple of minutes to to read a little bit of this to you, Aaron. Because Let's I think do it. it. Gives us a lot of places to go. This, this is David Aldridge and Marcus Thompson of the Athletic. I'm picking it up about halfway through. 
says that now at 33, staying in Brooklyn and playing with his friend Kyrie in an arrangement that turned an NBA franchise into a pretzel as it tried to make it work and get aligned in pursuit of a championship does not make Durant happy enough. Now, this piece started by talking about Oklahoma City didn't make him happy or not happy enough to stay. Golden State didn't make him happy or at least happy enough to stay. Now, back to the piece. Whenever the Nets get their price, he'll be on the move again. Could be Phoenix, could be Miami, could be wherever the muse strikes the former league and two-time NBA Finals MVP. Durant shows Brooklyn over the Knicks in 2019. Irving was his ride or die. The duo made it clear they didn't think Kenny Atkinson was a coach ready for prime time, and the Nets overhauled everything in their organization in acquiescence to arguably the best player in the league. They did so knowing Durant would sit out his entire first season in Brooklyn while rehabbing his ruptured Achilles. They fired Atkinson, hiring Steve Nash, a first-time head coach. They had to move promising young center Jared Allen because KD and Kyrie wanted DeAndre Jordan, another friend of theirs, to be Brooklyn's man in the middle. The franchise was remade top to bottom to suit its two superstars, which soon became three when the, when the Nets further mortgaged their future by bringing James Harden in from Houston, beating back Philadelphia by giving Houston basically five years worth of first-round picks starting next year through 2027. Brooklyn then, without hesitation, gave Durant a four-year, $198 million extension last summer, even as the implications of Irving's refusal to take the COVID-19 vaccine, which would leave him unable to play home games for most of the season, became clear. Brooklyn backtracked on its initial stance that it would not have Irving around the team as long as he remained unvaccinated. The Nets were all in across the board to try to keep Durant happy. But again, he is not happy or not happy enough to want to stay. And this is the key point, and this is the argument that no one is making. Or maybe this is happiness. Having the league morph to his whims, being such a historic titan of basketball has its perks. Maybe one of them is periodically flexing the ability to reconfigure the NBA universe. The greats want to control the outcomes, to orchestrate the moments that define legacies. Durant, for the third time in six years, is standing at the top of the key of the offseason, palming the league like it's the ball. The balance of what happens next hanging on his decisions, on his playmaking instincts. Teams are lining up to offer their talent and draft picks as tribute, which has to feel as good as a dagger three. Free agency is normally a player's chance to feel the freedom of choice, but this is KD. His greatness liberates him to follow the tide of his heart, even with four years on his contract, but liberation always comes with a price. Durant's going to again pay in reputation. Lot there, um, you know. I, I guess what I would say first of all, I, I you know, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that like I, I don't think that he gets a joy out of like everyone making him like him being the focal point off the floor. Now I think LeBron does, and by the way, this is not like a, a you know tra- drag down LeBron thing, but I think LeBron enjoys the drama of where's he going to go, what's he going to do, who's he going to play with, is he going to go back to Cleveland, is he going to be a Laker, is he going to this, is he going to that. I think Kevin Durant mostly just wants to hoop. Like I, I don't think he's doing this and like reveling in the moment. I I think he's just you know 
I'm gonna say it. I think he's just a little soft. I think he, uh, you know, had, uh, you know, he he saw the writing on the wall with Kyrie. He saw the writing on the wall what, what with what the Brooklyn Nets would look like without Kyrie, and he just said, "I'm bailing the ship." Now I agree with the part where the the Nets were at every whim of his over the last three years since he signed. Trade all your draft picks for James Harden. Fire a coach who had gotten them to the playoffs the year before you got there. Um, I don't know that I think that he's like he's enjoying just being the focal point. Of everything that we do and everything in the media and all that stuff, but I also don't agree. I don't. I also don't disagree with David Aldridge's point and your point, which is that he ruined this organization, and and that's where I think my frustration comes in with him, Jason. Is it, it, you know, it's one thing if you trade all the picks and you do this and you do that and it doesn't work out, and you're here. You're going to stay somewhere being willing to ride it out, being willing to say, okay, we, we, we shot our shot with James Harden. It didn't work. Kyrie's clearly not going to be here long term, but let's figure out a way to make this work. Where my problem comes in is what I said to, to lead hour two. Is the idea, or hour one, excuse me, is is the idea that a week ago Charles Barkley calls him a bus rider. You're afraid of, you know, we've never seen you lead a team to a title. It looks worse because Steph Curry just won a title without you. You clap back at him, and the second that you clap back at him, oh, by the way, you demand a trade. And so I, I, I think you and I are, are kind of meeting in the middle with this where you, you're talking about how he ruined the organization, and I think that's my biggest frustration. If you're going to demand the team trade picks, if you're going to demand the team uh, get all your buddies, if you're going to demand the team fire a coach, then you also got to be the guy that one of you either got to deliver because that's the thing, right? And I know I'm going long. I'm going to toss it right back to you in a second. You can criticize LeBron James. He's left a lot of organizations in shambles. He's also led every organization he's ever played for to a title. Now, the first time in Cleveland, it didn't work out, but he, he came back and delivered them that title. Brought obviously multiple titles to to Miami, and however this thing ends in the, with the Lakers, he brought them a title in 2020. Kevin Durant has one playoff win in Brooklyn, and now he's getting out after he completely tore down the organization. I know I went in a lot of different directions there, Jason, but I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, so so where I stopped, the next part of the piece basically goes into what you talked about: how much he loves basketball, how much he loves to hoop, all of this. And that what he was hoping to do was find a place to marry both, like where both of his personas are. The part where he's the best in the world at doing this thing and the one that loves doing this thing. So the Nets were supposed to be the home, and it talks about all of that kind of stuff. And then it says he's now looking for another place where both can be true, where he can enjoy the game and prove he's the best at it. And then they ask, does that place exist? The safest bet is this is going to happen again in a couple of years. And then it poses a question. It says, is this the beginning of player empowerment. Beginning Our of what I'm saying. Our stop acquiescing. Mm, Our team's going to stop acquiescing to this. A high-ranking team, team exec told Aldridge, not really. Pressure to win's great. You're going to do all you can to win. So it's not going to change. The last paragraph of this, I think, is very important. It says, even if they tried, meaning stop acquiescing, maybe the players will just find another way to accrue power and flex it. Maybe it's inevitable. Players are going to be the axis on which it all orbits. In that sense, Durant's the perfect ambassador of the era. And this is an interesting way to phrase this. Content with calling his shot, leaving tire marks on the franchise behind him as he dips to the next stop of his choosing because he can. Durant has the power. Doesn't mean he doesn't love basketball. Doesn't mean he's not the best player in the world. It does mean that I don't think it is unfair to say he's about as disloyal as you can get. 
when you lay out everything that Brooklyn did to try and win with him, to try and make him happy, they brought him in. They did the coach. They brought in other players. They sat with – they knew sitting that he was going to sit for at least a year rehabbing all of that stuff. They paid him the extension. You're telling me you're not going to see that thing through? Like, there are champions and then there are leaders. I think Kevin Durant can be a champion, but I'm not sure he can be a leader. Because in this case, all right, you don't want Kyrie, we'll find we'll figure something out or whatever. But if you want Kyrie, then you guys got to find a way to make this work. Because it costs a lot of money. It costs pretty much our entire future for the next half decade of first-round picks in order to try and get what it is that you thought you wanted. We'll try everything we can. We'll bring in whoever it is that we think we can. We'll try to make whatever financial arrangements we can. But you not seeing this through, and then, and we haven't pointed this out just yet, but the two locations he said he wanted to go to. Say it. Say it, Jason. Number one seeds in the East and West. Miami just finished as the number one seed in the East with Eric Spolster, who many believe is the best coach in the game. I'm one of the people that believes that. And then there's the West, where the Phoenix Suns just happen to be the number one seed in the West with Monty Williams, who's been a coach of the year over the past couple of years. To say you're not a bus rider, and then the two teams that you would most like to go to happen to just have finished being the number one seeds. Boy, what does that remind me of? It reminds me of joining a 73-win team the year after they knocked you out of the playoffs. It's very, very easy for me to get to a conclusion that you always can find some location that's better than where you are, and at that point you start pining for it, and at that point you try to make it happen. And that was the point that I made in our one, is that I have never seen a guy where the discrepancy between the talent that he has on the court and the awareness that he has off the court is greater. And I think everyone that has ever criticized Kevin Durant, including Charles Barkley, and Charles Barkley doesn't need Aaron Torres backing him up because Charles, you know, Charles Barkley is maybe one of the biggest voices. Not maybe, he is maybe the biggest voice in, in media in terms of the NBA. But this justifies everything everyone has ever said about Kevin Durant. And what's especially disappointing, Jason, I'll say this really quick, and, and we could come back on the other side and talk about it a little bit more. But I brought this up the other day is that Kevin Durant did an interview a year ago where he basically said, I'm not here chasing championships. Uh, you know, I'll read you the exact quote, and we could discuss it here coming up. But he basically said, uh, you know, he, he's, not chasing, he's not chasing championships, that, um, you know, he basically just wants to play the sport at the highest level, and, uh, you know, he'll let whatever decide. I'll find the, the, the quote really quick. Uh, I, once I won a championship, I realized that, like, my view on this game is really about development. Like, how could can I be? It's not about, you know, let's go get this championship. I appreciate that stuff and I want to win experience, but that's not the be-all, end-all of why I play. And so he basically said, it's not about winning championships. It's about becoming the best player I can possibly be. Well, what would make you the best player? Adversity. What would make you the best player? Losing the guy that you thought you were going to ride into the sunset with over the next 10 years in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving. What would make you the best player? coming back without him and proving that you can do it by yourself. So just a totally frustrating moment in time for Kevin Durant. He's going to play basketball somewhere next year. He's going to be awesome. We're all going to watch it, and eventually this will all die down. But in this, I got a theory. We'll do it. We can do yes. it after the break, but I got a theory. It just, it just came to me, but uh, I, I will level that when we come back. Jason has a theory that just came to him. We're going to discuss that next Fox Sports Radio.
Welcome back. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hey, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Before the break, Jason, you and I were talking about KD. By the way, really quick, I just came up with a fun game for Hour 3. Uh, or for hour four, maybe after we get to Bernie. And I, I thought of you because I don't think there's a person on the planet that dislikes James Harden more than you. And I heard I heard Jason Smith doing a segment about the uh, in the break about um, you know James Harden opting out and what does it mean? And it appears as though he's going to sign a long-term extension in Philly. And I was talking to the guys, Ricky and Don in the back. Number of players that you would take over James Harden right now, like if you if you were starting a team next five years, next ten years, whatever, because there's a lot. Well, I mean, we got pretty far down the list. We got to Anthony Edwards, we got to Jalen Brown, we got to guys like that. How about all of them? It, well, literally, it, like you know, I I think there's this thought like, oh, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you take like KD and Giannis and. There's quite a few, so we can maybe revisit that as it appears as yeah. though uh, another story that's popped up over the last couple of days, James Harden negotiating a long-term, long-term extension with the 76ers. But, you know, do want to get back to uh, the Kevin Durant conversation. And before the break, we were talking about KD. I think both of us have similar frustrations, but you said that something popped into your head, so I want to hear what you have to say. So this may be half-baked, and I've been trying to like rile it in my brain over the last five minutes to see whether or not it's it's actually a worthy thing to say. But you know what happened back on March the 17th 
uh, two years ago, 2020, in sports. It's kind of a big day. Rudy Gobert? March 17, 2020 was the day that Tom Brady picked the Bucks. Okay, okay. So he left New England and, and picked the Bucks. I think that's the catalyst for a lot of what we have seen since. Hmm. And the reason why is because if you remember Russell Wilson sitting in that box watching the Bucks win the Super Bowl, sitting next to to uh, Roger Goodell, where's Russ now? And where's he not? And well, he's not where he was, where he'd already won a Super Bowl. He's somewhere else. He decided to make a move. We've seen a lot of guys do things that are a little bit different than what we had expected to see from him. And I think it comes down to this. Durant said it's not about chasing championships. Okay, let's let's take him at his word there. Then what is it about? He said, I want to see how good I can be. All right, we already know how good you are. You already know how good you are. You, you're one of the most talented people to ever play. In terms of overall skill set, you might you might have it all. You might be the best from from top to bottom in terms of your ability to shoot threes and free throws and play defense and your size and your wingspan and everything else that goes into that. You could be as gifted as anybody that has ever played the game. But if you're not chasing championships and we already know how good you are, then what do you care about? And I feel like what Brady proved was legacy matters. Yes. When he left New England and went to Tampa Bay. We all really saw that, at least partially, as I want to prove I can do it on my own. I want to prove I can carve this out. I, I want the argument to be over when it comes to Brady and Belichick. Now, reason? No, it was not. It was disrespect from the Patriots and probably just getting to an end and needing a change of scenery and uh, all of those kinds of things go into it. But legacy matters. Legacy still matters to Tom Brady. It matters to everybody that, that has a bunch of championships. It's not about chasing championships for what they mean individually. It's about where do I go down in the list of all-time greatest. If he cares about how great a basketball player he is, well, that comes down to legacy, KD. And when it comes down to legacy... You are largely seen as gravy training two championships, despite the fact that on those two teams, you were the best player. On those two Warriors clubs, you were the key component. But nobody cares, man, because it was Steph Curry's team, and you know it. That's why Charles Barkley's calling you a bus rider, because you've never actually driven the bus. The bus that you did drive in Oklahoma City... You got to the finals, and you got beat by LeBron James. And then you got knocked out of the playoffs by the 73-win Warriors, and then you joined them the next year, and you won two championships. And it doesn't matter if you were the best player. Your legacy is not intact. So as you're trying to see how good you can be and how much you love basketball, I think the move to Brooklyn, it was, yes. Yes, it was about playing with your friend, but I also think that it was definitely about carving out a legacy. It was about trying to do it on your own. And to me, that's where you've missed the plot because you've kind of proven everyone who said that you couldn't do that. You've proven them sort of right. But I feel like Tom Brady has been the catalyst for a lot of athletes who say, I want that. I want to go carve out that. I want to go somewhere else and do that. Like not understanding that Tom Brady might just be a supernova that's different than you are. And again, this might not fully land in terms of this theory that I'm putting out there, but I've seen a lot of weird stuff and people making some odd decisions ever since Tom Brady did that. And I feel like everybody noticed how he was perceived before and how he's been perceived since and what it has meant to his legacy and even how happy he looks 
Like how much just more content in his life he appears to be over the last few years and what's happened just with his family and everything else. And I think there are a lot of folks that see that and envy it, even those that are in the highest levels of the sport. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, not to go like meta here, but you know, I think our society now, uh, and it's everybody. I include myself. I, I catch myself all the time saying, "Stop comparing yourself to this person. Stop wanting what this person has. You don't know what that person is going through." It's the old cliche. Everybody's going through something. And so, one thing I've tried to focus on in my personal life over the last three, four, five years is. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't be jealous. Don't assume that they have everything great, whatever they're doing, however they're doing it, because everybody's dealing with some sort of problem somewhere. Um, and I, But I, I also am in my 30s. I've been through this. I've been doing it a long time. I'm not 23 years old or 26 years old, uh, have known nothing but success in my life, have millions of dollars. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm somewhat sympathetic to that. But I do think there is something to that of, of one, Tom Brady leaving, Tom Brady finding the right spot, Tom Brady having success. By the way, it's clear that there was more friction in, in Tampa than we realized because Tom Brady basically retired to get Bruce Arians fired. So let's not pretend that mm-hmm. that whole thing was hunky dory but i'll tell you you know to use the 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 tom brady as as a jumping off point the one that i noticed this with and it's kind of you know weird to talk about now but before all the you know criminal accusations with deshaun watson like when he demanded a trade from the texans i remember coming on these airwaves with with arnie spanier and i said you know arnie i am like i i don't I don't get it. Like, like, what is so terrible about the Houston Texans? And I don't remember all the stats now, but you know, just looking at at you know the year before, you know, Bill O'Brien gets fired in in the 2020 season. Obviously, Deshaun Watson did not play uh, at all in 2021 for for reasons we know why. But the Texans had won the division, and you know this because you follow the AFC South as close as anybody I know. The Texans had won the division four out of the previous five years. They had made the playoffs four out of the previous five years, and the Deshaun Watson had signed one of the biggest contracts in NFL history to that point, or, or not maybe not one of the biggest, in con- but he signed his massive contract a year before to stay with the Texans. Yes, the team struggled that year, but you know, like they had made the playoffs for the last five years, and I'm like, why are you what? Why are you demanding a trade? Like, like in the pantheon of frustrating situations in the NFL. I'm not saying that the Texans are the least, you know, you have nothing to complain about, but they're certainly not the most frustrating organization that you could have been playing for the last seven, you know, last three, four years, whatever it was at that point either. And so whether it was Deshaun Watson, whether it was Russell Westbrook or Russell Wilson, excuse me, you go through all these NBA guys, Kevin Durant on his, what will be his fourth team potentially by next season, Kyrie Irving, what will this be his fourth team next season? Uh, LeBron James has obviously been four different places twice with Cleveland. It's a crazy time in sports. We can continue the conversation on the back end here, Jason. But uh, do want to get to DeSager. Do want to get to with what's trending because we're going long here. DeSager, what's going on, my friend? Well, we got two things to get to first off, and that is we do have UFC 276 going on in Las Vegas tonight. One fight to go. Alexander Volkanovsky has won, beating in a shutout Max Holloway. They've already beaten Holloway twice in featherweight title fights. This completes the trilogy. Volkanovski in Australia with a 22-fight winning streak. Final score was 50-45 to 45 in his favor tonight. He was 
a favorite for this bout. And the big favorite in the finale tonight, Israel Adesanya, in his fifth middleweight title defense. And did you see the item tonight that former Vanderbilt star pitcher Kumar Rocker, according to ESPN, had shoulder surgery in September? The agent called it a minor scope. This isn't a huge story to me because he's been seen on the field. Five dominant games recently in an independent league. Notable to bring his name up because he's draft eligible again. And the MLB draft is this month. You might be unaware that it used to happen about during the College World Series. Now it's July during All-Star Week for the major leagues. Not every team is happy about that. But the Mets last year had spent a top 10 pick on Rocker and then scared away by the arm did not sign him. Mets get an 11th pick in this year's draft as compensation. As for the MLB games tonight, and everything's final, the late game went to Colorado, 11-7 over Arizona. The losing pitcher for the Diamondbacks, change of venue and same result, Dallas Keuchel. His ERA is over eight now this season. Two and six record. He went five innings for the D-backs tonight. Six earned runs allowed. The Dodgers hit three solo homers in the first inning and beat U Darvish and the Padres 7-2. to two. L.A. now first in the NL West. Four and a half games over the Padres. A season-high lead for them. Cubs beat Boston 3-1. to one. Yankees swept a doubleheader at Cleveland. Tampa Bay swept a doubleheader at Toronto. The Atlanta Braves were 4-1 winners at Cincinnati. The Reds record now 26-5. and 51. In fact, the Reds were held to one hit tonight, an RBI single in the fifth. Cincinnati's offense was one for 28 with 16 strikeouts. Reds have lost four straight. And kudos to Dansby Swanson having a sensational season for Atlanta. Three more hits. He's batting 305. Austin Riley with his 20th home run. Houston, a fifth straight win. Hit five solo homers in a victory over the Angels, 9-1. to St. Louis, 7-6 winners at Philadelphia on a solo homer top of the ninth from Nolan Arenado. Arenado hit a home run with two outs in the first, and it wound up the first of four consecutive home runs by the Cardinal lineup in the first inning, all with two outs, all off starter Kyle Gibson, who lasted four innings today, 84 pitches thrown. Minnesota with two runs in the bottom of the ninth beat Baltimore 4-3. The Twins also scored a run bottom of the eighth and a run bottom of the seventh after they'd been trailing 3 to nothing. By the way, the final phase of all-star voting with finalists as the voting options goes until Friday. The starters will be announced on Friday night. Separate from the fan vote, when the pitchers get selected, I think we know who's the starting pitcher for the National League this year. Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers is 10-0 with the best ERA. And not just because the game's going to be at Dodger Stadium this month. Gonsolin, in fact, the first half of this season has allowed just 44 hits. According to Stats Inc., he's the first MLB pitcher in over 100 years to start a season 10 and 0 with fewer than 50 hits allowed. The last was Walter Johnson in 1913. The New Orleans Pelicans will give Zion Williamson a five-year extension. Similar max extension coming for Cleveland Cavaliers guard Darius Garland. Charlotte re-signed Cody Martin, four years, 32 mil, according to The Athletic. Leandro Barbosa will be an assistant coach for Sacramento under new head coach Mike Brown. Both were on the Golden State staff. Dustin Johnson finished four shots back after the final round of the Live Golf event in Portland. Portland, won by Brandon Grace. Ty Gibbs took the NASCAR Xfinity race at Road America in Wisconsin. Kyle Larson finished in second. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. DeSager will rejoin us here about 10 minutes from now. Jason, I had a couple other NBA things. Was there anything else KD-related that that you were that we haven't hit on yet? I mean, there's probably a lot of layers, honestly, but anything specific that we have yet to hit on with KD? 
Well, not necessarily KD. I was trying to find the actual comment itself, and I haven't yet. Remember when Kyrie said, it may have been, I, I, this may have been last year, where he said we're sort of GMs on this team? Well, he said when... We're co-GMs or something to that degree? Well, he said when they hired Steve Nash, he said something to the effect of, this was Kyrie, um, we kind of believe that there's not really a coach here. One day KD's a coach, one day I'm the coach, one day Steve Nash is the coach. That That is definitively something Kyrie said. Yeah. Um, think about that for a second. Like, Think oh, about yeah. the fact that, that they're acting as GMs and then they're walking out on the franchise uh, and leaving them with nothing. Like, yeah. you know, Durant doesn't have a no-trade clause, but the Nets can't just send him wherever they want because he's still just going to do the same thing, and the other teams know that. The teams that actually have assets that they would want the most, uh, they can't send them there. Like the, or, or the assets that they're getting back are going to make it so Durant's not happy when he gets there. Like, the Nets are just summarily screwed. That's the part of this that we haven't really talked about as much. We've talked about it for Kyrie and what it means if he goes to the Lakers. We've talked about Kevin Durant, his greatness, and uh, the weirdness that he goes about his business with and all of this other kind of stuff. The Nets, who some people are casting a lot of blame on, the only blame you place on them is that they actually believed what they what they were getting. Like, they, they did everything they possibly could to make those guys happy so that then they would play winning championship basketball for them, and those dudes are still going to leave. Uh, mm-hmm. Durant, in particular, leaving them, they've got no first-round picks. they got nothing protected. Like, they got nothing. Like the Rams actually got a championship with all the moves that they made. The Nets got nothing and gave up more in the process to try and get it right. Like, they're, they're totally screwed. In this so situation, me, like it's the biggest bust we've ever seen, I think maybe in in pro sports. So let me ask you a question. You and I were on. I vividly remember uh, game three of what was eventually a sweep against the Boston Celtics in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And I said at the time, I believe this is the end of the player empowerment era as we know it. And and players are always going to have power, all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, I, I looked at it and I said. The Lakers completely missed the playoffs. And they completely missed the playoffs because LeBron James went behind the GM's back, set up the situation with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook was the guy they wanted, whatever. The Clippers missed the playoffs. And I know Kawhi was hurt, whatever, but clearly that's not working out the way it was intended. The Nets get swept out of the opening round of the playoffs. And again, I, I, I'm not saying that we didn't know that at the time. We came on after game three. And I said... I think this is sort of the end of the player empowerment era because I will say, and and I, I said at the time, I'll repeat it here. This is not a uh, you know shut up and dribble thing. This is not what I'm going to talk about next. But at the same time, there's a reason that for like a hundred years in the NBA or fifty years or whatever, seventy years, that there was a pretty linear structure where the GM picks the players, the coaches coach the players, and the players play. And where you get into trouble is when one person tries to do more than one of those jobs. Bill Belichick is the greatest football coach we've ever seen, maybe. He's also a terrible executive that would be fired if he wasn't such a great football coach. Um, you know, and, and I do think the Lakers are in a mess right now that they might get a potential bailout on because of LeBron James. The Nets are about to be in this huge mess. And I'm, I'm not saying that if Kevin Durant comes to you and says, I want to play here, that you're going to turn him down. But I do feel like that era, I think there's got to be more of of a kind of, you know, uh, compartmentalization, if you will, of 
of the front office does their thing, the coaching staff does their thing, the players do their things. Because we are now seeing players calling all of the shots with player personnel outside of, frankly, the one year in Cleveland with LeBron, and then it completely fell apart after that. It really hasn't worked, Jason. It really hasn't worked. All right, so I found the quote. It came it came after they got swept to the, by the Celtics. Kyrie said, in terms of my extension, man, I don't really plan on going anywhere. So this is, this is like I said, this added motivation for our franchise to be at the top of the league for the next few years. I'm just looking forward to the summer and just building with our guys here. And then there's this. When I say I'm here with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside Nets owner Joe Sy and GM Sean Marks and just our family of family members we have in our locker room and our organization. It's not just about me and Kev. I don't want to make it just about that. We're cornerstones here. We have been. We have a few other guys that are under contract. We just got to make some moves this offseason, really talk about it, really be intentional about what we're building. What the hell did I just read? Considering what just happened and considering what was – this is not like a year ago. I thought it was a year ago. It was like two months ago. Yeah, it was right after they got swept. It was in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it was right after they got swept. And, you know, he goes – first of all, conspicuously doesn't mention Steve Nash. And I I just remember at the time it being like, this guy doesn't get it. We're in this situation because you didn't show up because you refused to get the vaccine. and we don't have to get all political, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you didn't play for about five months there. You're the reason we're in this situation, and now you claim that, uh, you know, it's going to be you, Kevin, and the ownership going forward. Give me a break. By the way, credit to the Brooklyn Nets for standing up to Kyrie Irving over these last couple weeks and saying, dude, we're not giving you this extension. You, like, like, come out and play and earn it. That's one thing, or we can trade you, but we're not giving it up. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, DeSager rejoins us. He's got a lot on a, a, a weirdly busy week in sports, including – Live Golf. We tell you what happened there. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. A little late over to DeSager, but every Saturday at around this time, DeSager gives us an extended update on everything you missed on a busy Saturday. DeSager, take it away, my friend. Well, we'll get to the live golf in a minute, but first, the Yankees won again and again. They swept a doubleheader at Cleveland, and in the first game, Garrett Cole was the winner. And this on a day when Araldis Chapman, I guess we can call him the former closer, comes off the injured list, faces three batters walks all three and it doesn't matter the Yankees won 13 to four and then they won the nightcap seven to one Nestor Cortez the winning pitcher seven and three and Giancarlo Stanton at his 20th homer Anthony Rizzo his 22nd homer guys we are two games away from the exact midpoint of the major league baseball season the Yankees since late May have a record of 25 and six remember we talked last weekend about how great the month of June was for the Red Sox and they'd literally gained a half game because the Yankees have been that good. Well, the Yankees are up to 58 and 21 overall. Believe it or not, in the last 90 plus years, only one team has had a better mark this deep into the season, and it was the 1998 Yankees that had 59 wins at this point, and those Yankees went on to an easy World Series victory and, as I recall, a 714 winning percentage. These Yanks have been superb, and they now have three. 
20 home run hitters already, and we're not to the halfway point. Throw in Aaron Judge there as well. According to MLB researcher Sarah Langs, the last team, and it was almost 20 years ago, to have three 20 home run hitters at this point were the Braves when they had Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Javi Lopez on that list. So it has been a while. The, the amazing stat to me, and it came from Stats Inc., is this is how good they are. The Yankees in games where they've been behind still have a winning record this year, 26 and 21. No MLB team in the modern era has finished with that kind of winning percentage in games where they're trailing at some point in the game. I mean, there are 20 current baseball teams that just have a worse overall winning percentage right now, whether they've been ahead or behind in any game. It's just, it really doesn't matter what gets thrown at them. They more often than not wind up winning. It's really something to see. Well, more often than not, it's just money is the discussion about the Live Golf event. We haven't heard of, frankly half the golfers in these fields in Portland. And remember, this is only uh, three round tournaments that they sponsor. 54 hole tournaments, no cuts for live golf. Brandon Grace, the winner with a final round 65. Phil Mickelson was awful this weekend, but still gets paid. Tied for 40th, 10 over par, but still six figures. And he wasn't even dead last. Remember, even the last place finishers get $120,000 for the three days' work. The last place finisher was 21 over par this week. Doesn't matter. You still get paid. And again, there's no cut. The winner gets $4 million. Even a tie for 11th place in Portland. A tie for 11th gets you over a half a million dollars today. That includes Sam Horsfield and Yuki Inamori. Who's more checked out at this point in their career, Kyrie Irving or Phil Mickelson? (laughs) Uh, Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil's money's guaranteed, man. Like, he, he doesn't matter. Yeah, he doesn't have to play for it at this point. I mean, I just as evidenced by the payout this week in Portland. The guy who finished second place gets $2 million. The winner, $4 million. Plus, they have team money, possibly, to divvy up the way they... uh, It's real. It's just... It's silly money. It really is silly money. Well, NBA Summer League got underway today, believe it or not. Not in Las Vegas. That starts next week. That goes July 7th through 17th. And in fact, just for three days next week, we'll have the Utah Summer League. But what they call the California Classic Summer League started. It goes through Tuesday. It's just four teams there in San Francisco, but notable, the Lakers had the first game with the sons of Scottie Pippen and Shaquille O'Neal on their roster. Mm. Scottie Pippen Jr. with 14 points, one of five from three-point range. Sharif O'Neal off the bench, six points, six rebounds in 16 minutes. Zero, so, zero, min- zero minutes for R.J. Cole from UConn, though. Very frustrated with the Lakers. <laughs> clearly, they're not auditioning him for a uh, Kyrie Irving trade. That must no, be what it is. No, clearly not. No, no showcase there. Lakers dominate League trade. <laughs> the Heat and Sacramento beat uh, Golden State, notable because top five selection in the first round. Keegan Murray got on the court for the Sacramento Kings and had 26 points in 28 minutes, 10 of 14 shooting from the floor. DeSager, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Coming up, uh, we go back to uh, go back to college football. Talk a little USC, UCLA. And, of course, in the next hour, Bernie Fratto will join us. So Bernie will be live from Vegas. Of course, he is hosting Fox Sports Radio uh, straight out of Vegas with uh, t- uh, at the top of next hour. One hour left. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, back to college football. Bernie Fratto joins us. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. It is our four for us. We started at about uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time, taking you straight up until 2 a.m. Eastern. Following us, of course, will be Bernie Fratto straight out of Vegas. Bernie will join us in about 20 minutes and actually very interested to get Bernie's perspective on the news of the week in college sports. The Big Ten, of course, adding USC and UCLA. For people who don't know, Bernie lived in Michigan for 20 years, uh, worked for Detroit Radio, knows the Michigan, Michigan State, and Big Ten footprint as well as as anybody that I know, frankly. So I'd be very curious for his perspective on the news of the week. Obviously, I just mentioned it, Jason. The news of the week, USC, UCLA, um, going to the Big Big Ten in 2024. Obviously, it leaves not just the Pac-12, but I believe college sports in general general in turmoil we talked a lot about it in hour two if you missed any of it people make sure to go back and download the podcast jason i I, want to start to look ahead um to to what college sports is going to look like what what usc and ucla all the variables that go into what happened this week and what happens going forward so i wrote down a list of questions during the break some some thoughts on the news of the week. And again, if you just want Gen- Jason and I's general reactions, I encourage you to go back and download the podcast, which will be available shortly after the show. So, Jason, first of all, my, my first question is, 
USC UCLA, I almost said Texas Oklahoma. USC UCLA set to join the Big Ten in 2024, so three seasons from now. When they get to the Big Ten, will the Big Ten be a so so with their addition, the Big Ten becomes a 16 team league? Will it be at 16 teams when they get to the Big Ten in 2024? Jason, you there? Uh, I think we lost. I, I I shook Jason. I shook Jason. So apparently we have lost Jason momentarily. Uh, and again, Jason and I are talking a little bit about everything that happened in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten this week. Uh, the big news, of course, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten uh, as effective 2024. So I'll give some general thoughts while we wait to get Jason back. We, we have lost him momentarily. Listen, my first reaction, honestly, when I saw the news on on Thursday, I think Brady Quinn, our our colleague here at Fox Sports Radio, I saw him do an interview where he said it best. He said, "Um, I am surprised. I am not shocked. This is the world of college sports. The reason this is being done is money. And really, where we are at in college sports is that everybody's looking out for themselves. Texas and Oklahoma made that decision a year ago. It was best for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12 for the for the SEC, regardless of the impact that it had on the other other conference teams. Remember, Oklahoma left its longtime rival Oklahoma State behind. Texas left three other schools in Texas, TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech behind. None of it mattered. And so that is why these decisions are being made. It's all about money, and it's no different for USC and UCLA. It's funny, I was talking to some people in the Pac-12, for people who don't know, I live here in Pac-12 country in Los Angeles. I was talking to all sorts of people from the Pac-12 this week. And I think there was a general sentiment between the schools that were that were left behind and the schools that have moved on to the Big Ten in 2024, USC and UCLA, obviously. The sentiment was the same. All, Pac-12, all 12 Pac-12 schools, I can't speak for every one, but just about all of them, The schools that got left behind are not mad at USC and UCLA. They understand why the decision was made, the money that is coming in, the impact that it can have. On the flip side, same with USC and UCLA. They're sad to leave behind 10 schools that they've essentially played sports with for somewhere in the neighborhood of close to 100 years at this point. But it was made over money, but I don't think it makes it any less sad. And one thing that Jason and I talked about earlier in the show, this is Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. We are efforting Jason. We appear to have lost him. Um... One of the things, I I can't sit here and lie and pretend as though I'm not sad about all this because here's the thing, right? Um, College sports is different than professional sports. Um, We know that college sports has been trending towards professionalism for a while, and it appears as though we do have Jason Martin back. Jason, are you there? Jason, are you there? We lost you again. So we'll continue to effort Jason Martin. Uh, Technical difficulties. Jason, of course, is in Tennessee, in Nashville. I'm here in the Los Angeles Fox Sports Radio studios. But one of the things that that I think was most disappointing, and and I said this earlier in the show, um, you know, I, I said earlier, I said Texas and Oklahoma. That was the almost the equivalent of. The, the, the old term, remember when man walked on the moon, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind? Texas, Oklahoma last year was one small step. USC and UCLA is one giant leap. And at this point, uh, sports college sports has long become professionalized. But what I'm sad about is it appears as though it is now just straight up professional, right? We're going to have USC and UCLA football players potentially traveling, traveling as much or more than NFL players over the course of, of a college football season. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, whatever. You, you get the point. It is a whole new world, but I am sad about it because one of the things that I think has always made college football so unique, it has been a historic 
historically regionalized sport and the regionalization of it has made it so great, right? Uh, the SEC for the last 10 years has dominated, but long before the SEC it was on the run that they're on now, it was a question. Who's better? Those SEC schools or the Big Ten schools? Never forget the year that Ohio State played Michigan or played Florida in the national championship game, Urban Meyer versus Jim Tressel. There was talk of, you know, is is the is the SEC is Florida? Are they physical enough for them? Um, so you go back to that era. You go back to the days of the Rose Bowl, where we had the Big Ten versus the Pac-12, and those schools never saw each other until the Rose Bowl. And he sat there and said, "Who's better, the West Coast or the Midwest?" You you went to the Orange Bowl, and you had kind of those Southwest teams, the Texas teams, the Oklahoma teams, Nebraska playing a Miami, playing a Florida State, playing a whoever. And so I believe that we lost a lot of that the, the last couple of days with the USC and UCLA news. Again, nobody begrudges USC and UCLA. Everybody understands why the decision was made, but it was still disappointing. What this means going forward, I'll just say it. I think we're headed very close to to, to super conferences. And, and when I say super conferences, I think you'll hear other people say two, three, four, five super conferences. No, 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 no. There's two super conferences. It's the SEC and it's the Big Ten. And I think right now the Big Ten appears to be set at at 16. I was just asking Jason Martin before we lost him again. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. We've lost Jason momentarily, and we'll have Bernie Fratto in about 10 minutes from now. But with, with the news of the week... Um, I, I do think the Big Ten right now is set at 16. They, they will have 16 teams with the addition of USC and UCLA. And because of it, uh, we saw a report yesterday that Oregon and Washington have tried to get into the Big Ten, and the Big Ten has already said we're good enough. So I think we go to 16 for right now. And as I said, I think the next big domino to watch is Notre Dame. Do they stay independent? Do they join a conference? And if they join a conference, it's almost certainly the Big Ten. What's going to be interesting with Notre Dame, and I mentioned it earlier, they only make, you know, they quote unquote only make $15 million a year with their TV contract. Now, that sounds like a lot of money, but when you're talking about Big Ten and SEC schools potentially making 50, 60, 70 million dollars a year from TV, I think Notre Dame's got a tough decision to make. Because how long do you stick with the independence? How long do you stick with the $15 million uh, revenue that you bring in? And and how soon uh, do you sit there and say, we're falling behind even the Big Ten and SEC? Uh, we're still efforting Jason DeSager. Did you have something? I, I, yeah, exactly on this point. And you kind of referenced it earlier. From John Wilner, who's had this story and by now is known as the Pac-12 reporter, that this conference, if the two L.A. schools had stayed, once they get their new media rights starting in a couple of years, that deal could reasonably have given them somewhere around 40-something million per year as Pac-12 members, whereas in the Big Ten, quote, that figure will double at minimum. And also this happens because, let's not forget, of all the missteps and failures of the former commissioner, Larry Scott. Good luck to the guy who just took over, by the way, and has this on his doorstep. Uh, But Larry Scott of course, the Pac-12 Networks was a complete fail and never got them on DirecTV to boost the revenue and tried to start it from scratch instead of partnering like the Big Ten Network with Fox and tried to, to start a network with San Francisco real estate rates and starting all on its own from, from the ground floor. Uh, it was just it really awful. colossal. Yeah. It, was, it was a mess. And we're seeing some of the effects of that. And the Pac-12 not uh, getting a shorter media deal before to be able to renegotiate its media rights before Big Ten. Or, as he put it, not accepting a lifeboat from ESPN three years ago. Quote, none of this would have happened if the former commissioner had done those things. 
And one side note that I hadn't thought of, a fan asked Wilner, what do you think about the future of football for Cal and Stanford? Quote, his answer, in all candor, I believe this could mark the beginning of the end of major college football for the Bay Area schools. Their relatively low value within the college football marketplace is one reason for that bleak outlook. And while the Bay Area is a huge media market... That mattered a decade ago. The main driver now is brand value. The networks pay for the football programs that generate the ratings and land in the prime TV windows, and neither of the Bay Area teams clears those bars. And why would they join Northwestern in something when Northwestern's now a direct competitor? So at some point... When yeah. these athletes, as you talked about earlier, be declared pseudo-employees, if some, then that's not something Stanford would go for and the Cal faculty would revolt and you've got NIL and things are careening in a direction that, quote, conflicts with the institutional philosophies on both sides of the Bay. It's been told to me by people more in the know on football that Cal, for example, just doesn't prioritize football. They're not going in the direction that USC and UCLA are going, to say the least. So that's a curious thought for well, the future. It's really interesting you say that to say, Greg. I was on the phone with somebody yesterday, uh, and we were talking a little bit about what are the next moves for the Big Ten, specifically if you know if if Notre Dame doesn't come. So so my opinion, and you could tell me if you disagree. I think if Notre Dame doesn't come. I don't think they're in a rush to add anybody. There, there's nobody, as right. you said, with the brand value that 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 makes it worth adding. That adds value to a TV contract that gets Michigan, uh, Michigan State, all those schools excited to share. Now, if Notre Dame joins, then they're at 17. Then you got to think about other schools. But yeah. but I bring it up, because, and you're not getting rid of anybody. We all assume. You know. That's an interesting conversation for maybe after we talk to Bernie here in about ten minutes because that is one thing, and you're a historian of this stuff like I am, Steve. Is that um, we've seen sixteen team conferences before, including the old Big East, which was referenced at one point. Mm. It just doesn't work, it, and there's too many conflicting interests. And but to go back to the Stanford Cal thing, and and I never thought we'd be talking Stanford Cal football. Most, in a, most things that get bigger don't necessarily get better because they're so unwieldy to govern. Yes, and there's just too many conflicting interests and. Anyway, so to get back to Cal Stanford, it's really interesting because I do know, on the one hand, Cal has invested a ton of money into facilities and resources and this and that. They're actually still really far behind. Um, But Stanford, I mean, I could see the powers that be at Stanford. I mean, remember, go back to even just COVID two or three years ago. And the Big Ten, obviously, there's there's an academic component to what they do. The Pac-12, there's obviously an academic component to many of the schools in the Pac-12. And I think that was part of it, was like, we're not going to put at the time when they thought they were putting players' health ahead of, uh, you know, putting sports ahead of players' health, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I do get the sense that Stanford, like you just said to Sager, as we head to a world, I, I don't think we're that far. And it, it might sound crazy, but guess what? It sound all the stuff that's going on now sounded crazy five years ago. I don't think we're that far from student athletes, from the quote-unquote student-athletes, they wouldn't be at that point, being employees of the school. And I don't think Stanford wants to go down that road. And so, you know, it's it's one of the many byproducts, but I, I do wonder if there would be a de-emphasization, de-emphasization, I don't even know how to say it, of sports in general, certainly of big-time college football. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of variables. Well, and there. also Cal, remember, people 
outside of California, you need to recall that the Bruins are UCLA, Cal is UC Berkeley. They're literally in the same state school system. So the Board of Regents is going to allow one campus to damage the other campus with this move? Well, and that was one of the things that came out on on Thursday was, you know, in the history of realignment, there's always been this belief that schools that are kind of connected through that school system element were stuck together, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State being the prominent one last year where we said, well, there's no way. I remember the day the Oklahoma-Texas story broke. I thought there was about four or five reasons why it wasn't going to happen, and one of them was to go back to when Larry Scott tried to make the Pac-10, the then Pac-10, the Pac-16, it was that Oklahoma would not leave any conference without Oklahoma State. Hmm. And so it's the same fast forward we thought with UCLA and USC, and then, oh, by the way, it becomes interesting with uh, with uh, Washington and Washington State, Oregon and Oregon State, it doesn't seem as though they're aligned. Uh, DeSager, I, I do... Yeah, the summary is, as Wilner put it, schools are completely united until they aren't. Yes, that was a, a little bit disjointed. DeSager, I appreciate you joining me and, and being part of the conversation. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, we have momentarily lost Jason, but here's the good news. Uh, Bernie Fratto is next. You hear him straight out of Vegas at the top of the hour. He worked in Michigan for 20 plus years and knows the Big Ten side of things. I think DeSager and I have the Pac-12 side of things wrapped up pretty good, but we're going to bring in Bernie to talk about that, talk about the Big Ten element, and of course everything going on in the world of sports gambling as he of course hosts straight out of Vegas. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply buddy fox sports radio aaron torres jason martin here saturday night first of all jason you alive you back yeah, I'm here. We took a crazy lightning strike kind of out of nowhere and just knocked out everything. So disappeared for a few minutes. I guess somebody didn't want to hear my Pac-12 take. Okay. So somebody somebody bailed on it there. Well, uh, we, we're glad you're back. Um, and speaking of lightning strike, we get a lightning strike every every week around this time when we bring on Bernie Fratter. You can, of course, hear him straight out of Vegas at the top of the hour, 11 p.m. Pacific to 3 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Eastern to 6 a.m. Eastern. Bernie Fratter, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Well, before we get to the uh, Big Ten stuff, and I've got a lot of stuff for you, not for nothing, remember we've got the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest Monday, and Joey Chestnut will be competing with a broken leg. Yet he's still the prohibitive favorite. You have to put up $30 to win a dollar. The over-under is 74 and a half, and I hear he's very motivated. All right, so really quick, Burn, we'll get to some of the betting stuff. <laughs> he's very motivated. I like that. Uh, oh, I want to get to we'll get to some of the betting stuff in a minute, but I do want to start with the Big Ten, Pac-12 stuff. You, for people who do not know, I referenced it the last segment. You lived in Michigan for twenty plus years, hosted radio in Detroit. You know that market as well as anybody that I've ever met. Um, were you surprised by the news? Has there been any buzz that the Big Ten wanted to expand or have a counter move to what the SEC did with the Texas Oklahoma stuff last week? Where were you? What was your reaction when you saw that news pop the other day? Well, my eyes popped out because uh, I didn't predict this, but I can tell you this, that Jim Delaney, the commissioner of the Big Ten, is a very shrewd operator, and I believe he's had something along these lines planned for years, and I'll tell you why. The Big Ten network had a 10-year contract from 2007 to 2017, and when it came time to renew it, he did something very shrewd. Rather than go for a another 10-year deal with security, he opted for a six-year deal, which expires in 2023. Why did he do that? Because he got out ahead of the SEC, whose contract doesn't expire till 2024, the Pac-12s not till 2024, and the Big 12s not till 2025. So by, lop, you know, by, by reeling in USC and UCLA, the contract that the Big Ten Network is going to get is going to be scary. I believe it'll be north of a billion dollars. Every team in the conference will receive about a hundred million dollars a year, and it goes from there. I mean, and it's not just—it's going to be spread across the board. You might see a an ABC game on at nine a.m. Pacific, an NBC game at noon, a CBS game at four. You'll have ESPN games, and Amazon. I understand is going to throw their hat in the ring too. They're doing Thursday night football for the NFL, and they want to do at least one Big Ten game a week. Now, why is this? The Big Ten brings eyeballs. There, there is more Big Ten alums living around the country than anywhere else. There were 72 college football games last year that drew 4 million viewers. Half of those were Big Ten games. The Michigan-Michigan State game drew almost 10 million. The Ohio State-Michigan game drew almost 16 million. So if you look it past its prologue, when the Big Ten added Maryland, people saying, why are they adding Maryland? Well, they gave them a Washington, D.C. TV market. People said, why do they add Rutgers? It gave them a New York City TV market. Now you bring in USC and UCLA, you got the number two market in Los Angeles, and there you have it. 
Well, Bernie, now now they actually have to win, though, right? Like, I mean, they, they, they're going to make money hand over fist, but it doesn't mean that they're a better conference than the SEC when you actually look at the titles, right? Well, the SEC has all the hardware to prove that. And I think right now what's driving this is TV dollars more than anything else, but you would suspicion that Ohio State will be secure in, in, in their knowledge that they're going to be a fixture in the playoffs for, for years to come. Uh, the rest of the Big Ten, not so sure. Top to bottom, I don't think anybody can argue the SEC is the best conference. And, uh, you know, when you look at who has been in the national championship games and the hunt and winning it, whether it be Alabama, Georgia, LSU, even back in the day, Florida and Tennessee, no one's had more success in the postseason than they have. Burn, um, you know, do you have any insight or speculation? Do, do you think – we got a report yesterday from Dennis Dodd, CBS, that like Oregon and Washington, it seemed as though they were trying to jump on that USC-UCLA bandwagon and the Big Ten is not interested. Do you get the sense that the Big Ten is content at 16 for now? Is Notre Dame the only team that moves the needle? What do you, is there a next move in the immediate future for the Big Ten, in your opinion? To answer the question directly as we sit here right now on July 2nd, no, I don't think so. I don't think the Big Ten has any interest in Oregon or Washington. Those aren't major TV markets. I think they may have had some mild interest in Stanford and Cal as a package because of the northern TV market. I don't think you're going to see the kind of interest from the regimes in, in Cal and Stanford. As far as Notre Dame, I got to tell you, there's a real love-hate relationship between the Big Ten and Notre Dame. Uh, you know, 80 years ago, the Big Ten tried to reel in Notre Dame when the Big Ten was only had seven or eight teams in the conference. Notre Dame gave it the middle finger. Then in 1994, Notre Dame did the same thing, and basically they said, look, you need us more than we need you. I really think Notre Dame likes their independence, and I just cannot see them ever kowtowing to the Big Ten. Now, could I hit my word someday? Sure. But from what I know and people I've talked to, I don't see Notre Dame as ever being part of the Big Ten in football. Well, I just think they're going to wait. I think if they do, then it's going to take a long, long time because I do think that they, they look at themselves as special because they're independent. Somebody else that looks himself as special is Kevin Durant. Uh, I like that segue. Yeah, well, the odds have certainly changed for the Nets, but how are they changing for some of the teams that might be in the running to land Kevin Durant's uh, you know, services? Well, certainly the Nets have fallen like an anvil in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. They went from 7-1 to one to 30-1. to one. But the, the Suns, who I think is the most natural fit, and I'm going to talk about that later in my show, they've dropped from 9-1 to one down to 5-1. to one. Uh, The Miami Heat from 16-1 to one to 8-1. to one. And, of course, the Lakers, they're down to 10-1. to one. I just don't see uh, – and that would – you know, ha- I, I'm going to talk about this later as well. You have a, a potential Kyrie for Russell Westbrook trade being talked about, but it gets very convoluted because the Lakers want Seth Curry and the Nets want him to take Joe Harris's contract. So uh, all of this is heavy speculation at this point. Do I think KD will be elsewhere? Yes. I'm not 100% sure about Kyrie, but this is what happens. The markets try to get out ahead, and I know one knucklehead here in Las Vegas put ten grand on the Lakers to win it all. I just don't get that. But it's all being driven by the star power and player empowerment moves. One guy says he's going to move, and all of a sudden the earth shifts. Last one for me, Byrne. Um, you know, story you've covered extensively uh, with us on your show, the potential Oakland A's uh, relocation with obviously Las Vegas seemingly being the leader in the clubhouse. Do you have an update there? Well, as you know, uh, Aaron, I've been pretty vehement about the fact that I never once believed the A's were coming here, that it's always been a leverage play. And this last Thursday, the San Francisco Bay Conservation and Development Commission voted 23-2 to to remove the port priority use designation 
for the Howard Terminal. So that clears the way for a potential $12 billion ballpark project with, you know, condos and commercial real estate and, and entertainment and all that kind of stuff. Oakland's got to approve it next, and there are some sticking points. But I come back to the same thing I said before. One, there's no plans for a stadium here. We don't know who would pay for it, and I'm really not sure. I, I just am not believing that there's an appetite for Major League Baseball here in the desert 81 games at home. Raiders, yes, love them, want some more of them. Same with the Golden Knights. Oakland A's, not so much. So you mentioned this uh, in, in possibilities and in, in terms of things we could chat with. I don't exactly know how to ask this because I know you're going to explain it, but betters are backing Barkley but fading Aaron Judge. Please explain. Okay, you bet. So – the number, still to this day, the the number one hallowed number in baseball is 61. That's Roger Maris's home run count in 61, and he did it in pinstripes. Well, uh, conveniently, a new prop bet has emerged in Vegas. Will Aaron Judge hit over 61.5 home runs or under 61.5 home runs? Professional bettors are absolutely pounding the under. It's now minus 450 to 100. They're expecting him to go under 61 home runs. If you have faith and think he's going to play in the dog days of July and August when he could be resting and such, and, you know, teams are going to be walking him and you name it, uh, you can get plus six, 360 on a $100 bet for Aaron Judge to go over 61 home runs. Now, the Charles Barkley situation has to do with the American Century Championship Celebrity Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe. We talked about this last year when Barkley bet on himself for hundred grand, he would finish in the top 70, and they refunded the bet. Barkley is 5-1. to one that he'll finish in the top 70, and betters are actually betting him. He's down now to he's now down to plus 280. Remember, last year he finished 76th, but people are betting him to finish in the top 70. Now, if you really want to get crazy, $100 are bringing 7,500. I checked that 75,000 for Barkley to win the whole thing. He's 7,500 to one. Not for nothing. Uh, the top active athlete on the board, he's a very good golfer, by the way, is, is uh, Steph Curry, who's 12 to 1. Annika Sorenstam's also in the tournament. She's 17 to 2. By the way, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, they're also part of the tournament as well. But interestingly enough, betters are putting their money on Charles Barkley to finish in the top 70. He is Bernie Fratto. You can hear him at the top of the hour straight out of Vegas. He'll take you straight through 6 a.m. Eastern time. Discuss all that he just discussed with us and much more. Also, make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto. Bernie, thank you, as always, for the time. Thank you for the insight, and we will be listening at the top of the hour. Thank you, Bern. Thanks for having me, guys. That is Bernie Fratto. Again, he will be on at the top of the hour, taking you straight through 6 a.m. Eastern time with Straight Out of Vegas. Coming up, we start to put a bow on the show. Got a couple last questions for Jason. Before we do, final time this evening, let's get to Steve DeSager with What is Trending. What's up, Sager? UFC 276 was in Vegas tonight. Easy win for Israel Adesanya, his fifth middleweight title defense. In fact, Dana White told Yahoo that this was their 18th consecutive sellout, nearly 20,000 fans in Vegas for the card tonight and the gate was over $10 million. Obvious question, so why aren't the fighters in something of a players union still? In the NBA, two items. The New Orleans Pelicans will give Zion Williamson a five-year extension worth over $200 million. He missed all of last season with the foot injury. Cavaliers guard Darius Garland gets a similar five-year extension. He averaged 22 points, nine assists last season. Coco Golf lost her third-round match at Wimbledon in three sets to fellow American Amanda Anisimova, 6-1 in the third. Women's number one ranked Igis Fiontech lost 
lost in straight sets, ending her 37-match winning streak, which was the longest on tour in 25 years. She lost to Francis Elise Cornet. The USFL championship game is on Fox TV Sunday night from Canton, Ohio. Dustin Johnson finished four shots back after the final round of the Live Golf event in Portland today. Brandon Grace was the winner with a final round 65. Ty Gibbs took NASCAR's Xfinity race. In the late ball game in the majors at Colorado, Rockies 11-7 over Arizona, beating Dallas Keuchel. Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks did hit two more home runs. He has 21. The Dodgers hit three solo shots in the first inning and beat the Padres in U Darvish 7-2. Darvish did have 10 strikeouts in his six innings of work. Dodgers winning pitcher Tyler Anderson now 9-1. The Dodgers against the Padres head-to-head have won 14 of their last 15 meetings. Freddie Freeman, two hits, two runs scored. He's batting 307. Outfielder Chris Taylor of L.A. left with a bruised foot. Mookie Betts will start in the outfield tomorrow coming off the injured list. The Dodgers have a season-high four-and-a-half game lead in the NL West over the Padres. Cubs beat Boston 3-1. to Cubs starting pitcher Alec Mills left in the first inning with a bad back. Red Sox pitcher Rich Hill goes on the I.L. after yesterday's sprained knee. The Yankees swept a doubleheader at Cleveland. The Guardians are second place in the AL Central, now three games behind Minnesota. The Twins got two runs bottom of the ninth to beat Baltimore 4-3. to Tampa Bay swept a doubleheader at Toronto. The winning pitcher of game one Shane McClanahan onto the all-star game has the best ERA in the AL he's nine and three ERA 1.74 Blue Jays starter Kevin Gossman left after taking a line drive off his ankle x-rays were negative Atlanta held the Reds to one hit in a 4-1 victory the Mets are first in the NL East but now just two and a half games ahead of the Braves Mets lost at home to Texas seven to three Cole Calhoun two home runs the pitching news for the Mets Max Scherzer returns Tuesday and Jacob deGrom starts rehab Sunday night pitching in A-ball. Houston hit five solo homers. Angels only had three hits total. Houston 9-1 to the final. And Jordan Alvarez is back in the lineup. For Houston, he was just named AL Player of the Month for June. Batted over 400, had 28 RBIs in June. Seattle on FS1 today got a run bottom of the ninth to beat Oakland 2-1. to At Detroit, two solo homers bottom of the ninth. And the Tigers edge Kansas City 4-3. to White Sox and Miami each one. Pittsburgh and St. Louis as well. The Cardinals hit four straight homers in the first inning. Eventually won 7-6 at Philadelphia. Nolan Arenado, solo homer, top of the ninth against the Phillies, who have Kyle Schwarber. He was the NL Player of the Month, but today went 0-5 for with four strikeouts. Back to you. Thank you, Steve DeSager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here taking you to the top of the hour. Bernie Fratto, of course, will follow us with Straight Out of Vegas. Jason, I want to get back to the NBA for a second. Um, I was filling in with Dan Beyer yesterday when the Rudy Gobert news broke. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm not here to get a Rudy Gobert take from you, but I think everybody knows by now, All-Star Center for the uh, for the Utah Jazz headed to the Minnesota Timberwolves Major Hall. Bunch of players, bunch of draft picks, all that good stuff. My question for you, we've spent a lot of time talking about where is Kevin Durant going to be next year and where is Kyrie Irving going to be next year and could Russell Westbrook be on the move? Do you believe that this move signals that Donovan Mitchell will be somewhere else next year. It's worth noting Adrian Wojnarowski after the trade did tweet out that the plan is for the Jazz to build around uh, you know, around Donovan Mitchell going forward. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has also been known to at times uh, you know, put out things that uh, his sources want him to put out, so I don't know that I totally buy that. Uh, do you believe that this is a sign that yet another superstar, all-star level caliber player in Donovan Mitchell may soon be available? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know that he will be, but I think that Quinn Snyder leaving was the first domino. The second domino is Gobert. What we have come to learn is what we kind of already knew. Utah is the new Portland. Whatever they had, it wasn't going to be enough. They had done what they could do with this group. I think Quinn Snyder realized they couldn't win a championship as they were built. I don't know if he realized that or he felt like Donovan Mitchell was probably going to leave or what it is. But they better build around him faster. He'll leave. I mean, that that's that's just the way it goes. For the Timberwolves, they paid Carl Anthony Towns uh, for max extension, kept him there. And they're, I think they should be building around Anthony Edwards personally instead of Towns. But if you've got both those guys, you're going to be okay. And then you add Gobert to that mix. Uh, that should make them better, and that's what they needed to do. They're a younger team. They're a team that had just started to experience success. So you go bring in somebody that's veteran presence, one of the best defenders in the league, great shot blocker, great rebounder. Uh, he's going to make them better. Utah certainly didn't get better by doing this, but eventually you have to stop being what you are if you hope to get there. Sometimes there's there's a coach that can take you certain places, but you still got to let that guy go and bring in the next guy to actually get you over the hump and win the championship. And I think for Utah, they realized that the mix wasn't enough. And so they had to pick between two guys, and you're going to pick Donovan Mitchell over Rudy Gobert. You just are. Doesn't mean they're not going to lose both of them and they're going to be in a total rebuilding phase. I would say, yeah, I'm with you as far as Wojnarowski goes. Uh, anything he reports, I just kind of look at with a side eye and say, okay, well, what's what's the benefit for Adrian Wojnarowski of what he's reporting here outside of contracts and you know breaking news and things like that? I don't necessarily buy into the rest of it. So I've always thought Donovan Mitchell might be a Nick. I thought different things surrounding him over the last year or so. Why would he stay in Utah? He was apparently disappointed that Quinn Snyder left. Now they get rid of Gobert and they say they're going to build around him. Build around him with what exactly? Like what? Who's out there right now that they're going to go build with in the short term? Donovan Mitchell's only getting a little bit older. Right now he is completely in his prime, and I imagine he's going to be looking around. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Jason. Um, uh, the the reports are the Knicks could be in the mix, and, and other people I've I've heard say the Miami Heat. And what's interesting about the Miami Heat, you know, we've talked about them with Kevin Durant, but Durant's kind of particular about who who they would, you know, who's going to be there if he goes there, and who would you trade back to to Brooklyn if if the Utah Jazz make a move with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I don't think they want back any of the good players that Miami has. I think that, that at that point it would obviously be a full-fledged rebuild, and they would frankly have no interest in taking on any veterans or experienced players or anybody that could take a, you know take away from uh, the, the rebuild that they have in Utah. So it's an interesting story. You know, that's obviously when when the Rudy Gobert stuff happens. That's where my mind immediately goes to. Also, the Brian Windhorst stuff yesterday uh, led my mind there. Real quick, did you see the Brian Windhorst uh, segment on on? Uh, social media yesterday i must have i must have missed that you missed it yeah i did not see that you have a homework assignment during the break because so basically it was uh windhorst um was on first take and he basically led uh he led uh the entire panel uh on on a wild goose chase where he just asked a bunch of questions that basically led to he believed the Utah Jazz were going to uh were going to rebuild and to his credit he was 100% right he did he did the segment about 2 hours before the Rudy Gobert trade happened so he seems to think it's going to be a complete rebuild uh but we will see going forward coming up we wrap the show one segment left 
We put a bow on this thing. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, final segment of the show for Jason Martin and I. By the way, make sure to go back and download the podcast shortly after the show. It will be available. Uh, Catch up on everything that we discussed, including the NBA, uh, the latest with Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook, a potential trade there. Uh, Also, of course, KD and a lot on the college football changing landscape jason the final segment of the show we usually reserve to looking ahead and i think there's no time better than now because we got a lot of stuff that i think could get settled over the next next couple weeks both in the nba and in college sports too so what i want to do is just kind of go through and ask you a few questions about what the future of sports looks like both the immediate and the long term so i asked you this before your mic cut out in the in the first segment of this hour USC and UCLA are set to join the Big Twelve, uh, the Pac Twelve, uh, the Big Ten, not the Pac Twelve, not the Big Twelve, the Pac Ten in the Big Ten in twenty twenty four. Must be getting late. I'm tired. They're going to join the Big Ten in twenty twenty four. They will become the fifteenth and sixteenth members. Will the Big Ten be at sixteen teams when they get there, or will there be more teams? Oh, there'll be more. I mean, I I could make it that simple. Like I just, I think this is a start. But I mean, you got two years. Like, I feel like the arms race is only going to accelerate from here. We're not just going to sit back and wait a couple years, and then then we're going to reload and do this again in both conferences. I think that it's very likely the SEC could be at 20 within two years. I think it's very, very possible. So I would indicate, I would say very unlikely that those are the only two schools joining the Big Ten in 2024. Do you think that in the next month – Notre Dame makes a definitive statement on a future, whether it is we remain independent, uh, we join a conference, or do you think they just say status quo because we have a contract with NBC that runs through 2025, so why would we talk about this right now? Yeah, I don't think they say much. If they're pressed to say anything, they'll say, at this time, we're going to... We're going to remain independent, but I think they will caveat it with that. Like, I don't think it's going to be, you said definitive statement. I think absolutely not. I think they're either going to say nothing or they're going to say something that gives them an out, even in their own statement where, where there's a, there's a time frame where it's like in the present, here's where things stand. I, I don't think they're in any real hurry here. And I think they will love to be courted, even if they have no interest in doing anything. I tend to agree. Uh, apparently, there was a a conference call with the ACC commissioner, uh, the ACC school presidents and, and ads. And remember, the the Notre Dame, their non rev, uh, their non football, all of their sports play in the ACC. And Notre Dame was apparently on that call and acting status quo. Uh, we did get a tweet from Tony earlier. He said, "Big Z Zion Williamson is going to be back healthier than ever to dominate with Brandon Ingram in New Orleans." We did not talk about it. Zion Williamson gets a massive extension, upwards of two hundred plus million dollars with the New Orleans Pelicans. My question for you. In five years from now, is Zion Williamson a New Orleans Pelican? Remember, he's, there's already been rumors that he's unhappy in New Orleans. Of course, he didn't really play that much this past year. He didn't play at all. Uh, but in addition to that, we now live in a world where players, especially star players, are not afraid to ask for a trade with multiple years left on their deal. Zion Williamson, five years from now, is he a New Orleans Pelican? Probably not. I think the better you want you want to... A more juicy question is this. In five years, is Zion Williamson still in the NBA? Woo! 
That's a much juicier question to me because I need to see that that this guy can actually stay healthy because, hey, look, Greg Oden, um, the more you watch this, the more you start to wonder, is it is it just not meant to be? Like, this is a dude with all-world talent, but I need to see him healthy. I mean, street clothes is still in the league, as Charles Barkley calls Anthony Davis, and he's another dude that came from New Orleans. No, I don't think he's a Pelican, but I'm also not sure where his career is at that point. Really quick, I you know, I had a thought on, on Zion a few weeks ago when you were off and VJ Husky was in. I don't think he feels guilty about you know taking the money, but I think he probably should a little bit. Like nobody's going to turn it down. But two hundred thirty-one million after you missed an entire season, you played like thirty percent of the games available. Zion Williamson, two hundred million dollar extension tonight. Uh, really quick, Jason. When we come on air next week, will Kevin Durant be a Brooklyn Net? How long is this going to last is all you're really asking me, because we know he's going to be somewhere else. It's just how soon it happens. He, I think he does enjoy the process a little bit. It's got to be the right deal, and that may take a little bit of time. And if I'm the Nets, I'm going to wait a little while. I'm going to see whether or not there's a team with an asset I want that's going to try to put together a deal. So I'm going to say no. I think that's going to take a little longer. I think the Philadelphia 76ers laid the groundwork for how this is. you got a star with time on his contract. You waited out. we got to go. Thank you to Don. Thank you to producer Ricky. Thank you to Sager. Bernie Frado coming up. For Jason Martin, I am Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Doc Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.